I'm the Geeky Dad. And we're the Multiverse Kids. And sometimes we review movies, shows, or books. But all the time, we have fun. Join us every week and um, listen to our show. And sometimes we might even have a special guest. So join us at the Geeky Dad Podcast. Hey Joe. Hey Jack. Hey Joe. Hey Jack. <laughs> you know what I like? What do you like? Misery. Yes. You know, no, that's objectively true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the the film version of Misery is? Oh, noir. Noir. Film noir. Yeah. Hell yeah. <sighs> uh so I thought it would be fun, even though it's it's just barely related to our topic today, to test your understanding of noir slang oh interesting yeah, okay this yeah. will be fun yeah uh, hit me with this i like i i know my noir and even some i'm like a oh, trip for biscuits what <laughs> <laughs> yeah me. yeah so i'll start, start you off with some some easy ones uh when possible i'm using them in a sentence uh so first we're gonna go with the word dormy as in why didn't you lie dormy in the place you climbed to why didn't you lie dormy? Yeah. Was it like still or like dormant or quiet? Yes. Yes. It's a guy who okay. was dormant. Um, didn't need to shorten that, but they did. Yeah. See, that's a, that's, right. that's the same number of syllables. Yeah. <laughs> you really didn't need to do that. All right. Let, uh, to let the daylight in or fill them with daylight. Is that like pump them full of holes? Is that like yep. just a yeah, yeah. Just air yeah, raid yeah. guy two, with a like... two for two? Uh, okay. Either stabbing or shooting somebody. Uh, this one I, I feel like we still use in language today, being behind the eight ball. Oh yeah, yeah. this is like you're um, yeah, you're like you're you're in a you're in a rough situation. Yeah, like you're yeah, under yeah. under extreme pressure. Uh, how about she's got a real pair of bump gums? <laughs> Pardon? She's got a real set of bump gums. It's either tits or legs. You know, you'd think so, but no, it just means she doesn't talk about anything worthwhile. Or or the person, whoever. Bump gums? Bump gums. Yeah. But... It, it doesn't... Listen, these are all pulled from different noir books. Everyone was very drunk in the 40s. Extremely drunk. Yeah, um, fair. fair. Hey, of, prohibition had ended, and, they, every, and everybody was depressed. <laughs> right. Um, later, we're going to be out on the roof. Be out on the roof? Mm -hmm. Out on the roof. Yeah. I don't think I've heard that one. That's no, no. But we're we're gonna be there out on the roof later. We'll be there out on the roof, uh -huh. um, celebrating. Is that what it means? Celebrating? It means being drunk. Being dr oh, yeah, yeah. okay, okay, gotcha. Um, oh, god damn, out on the roof. Yeah, that, that's a weird one. Uh, yeah, that that one's. I do like that one. I'll look I, up the etymology of that more later to see like where like where, like, where are they exactly I, getting that? I'm assuming that like just Raymond Chandler, whatever popped into his head at the time he was just writing so many so much at the time he's like uh, he's got bump gums and uh, they should have been dorming 
So, uh, got a real, uh, butter and egg man here. Butter and egg man. Butter and egg man. Yeah. Um, we're going out tonight with the butter and egg man. Butter and egg man. <laughs> um, I'm. As they say, Con- Kanye West is a real butter and egg yeah, okay, man. Okay, so, uh, so, yeah, so, so my, my initial, before mm-hmm. you said Kanye, my, yeah. in, my initial inclination was with, uh, with a real rich guy. Yeah. So, because those are fairly rich foods, like, yeah. in terms of fat content and whatnot. Yeah, no, you just, I'm sure that much thought didn't go into it, but yeah. Maybe, yeah. It, maybe, 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 it did. maybe, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah they're, the, they're the person that, like, takes you out on the town and, like, pays for everything. Yeah, they're the bankroll. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm doing better at this than I expected. Right, well, two, two more, two more. Okay. Um, he was way too far off the track. Strictly Section 8. We're looking at the phrase off the track. Okay, I thought you were talking section eight, uh, section eight for a second there. Um, off the track, mm-hmm. it's like he's completely lost it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's a uh, he's gone completely insane. He's like off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the one the one that I mentioned, uh, trip for biscuits. So I'm not using sentence. Trip for biscuits. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You get there fast and you get there alone, or you got a trip for biscuits. Get there fast, you get there alone, or you got a trip for biscuits. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Shit. Um, yeah. Is is that like you got to pay the consequences? Like you got like like close. There was no reason for you to go. Like you made the trip and got no results. But but biscuits. But yeah, that's that's the misleading part. You're like yeah, but yeah. I like biscuits. I like biscuits. <laughs> a trip for biscuits sounds delightful. But if you I want biscuits, were I brought biscuits this morning. You did, and they were gr- they were great. Uh, almost <laughs> put me into a coma, but they're still good. Uh, and that, and now you all know how to speak drunk detective. Hooray! 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 Holy shit! Uh, welcome to Drazzled, everybody. Uh, where the podcast takes award-winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Colbertson, and here to suffer alongside me, as always, is also host Joe Nealis. We're back. All the movies on Drazzled won Worst Picture at the Razzies. The Razzies, for those of you who don't know, are something of a reverse Oscars. They recognize the worst film of the year. With 37 remaining films to pick from, I have chosen Howard the Duck, because why the cloaca not? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think given given the uh, recent massive post-pandemic success of Spider-Man No Way Home, it's only reasonable that we dive into what is inevitably going to get brought back into the MCU, baby. Yeah. They're reaching back into the catalog here. They're pulling everything in. Now, there is not an iteration of Howard the Duck that is Spider-Man adjacent, but there is a Howard the Duck that is Deadpool adjacent. Of fucking course there is. God damn it. (laughs) In hashtag Ryan Reynolds, Howard the Duck. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Ryan, you tried really, really hard to get Hugh in. You tried. I appreciate it. It didn't happen. But there's still a shot at something great here. There's still a shot at something great. And that is a talking drunk duck detective. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Okay. Well, what exposure did you have to Howard before? Not a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I. So as we've mentioned before, like you're way more well-versed in comics than mm-hmm. I yes. am. Like I have like a smattering of knowledge here and there. And a lot of that comes from just picking up random comics at the grocery store yeah. as a kid. And I remember seeing some Howard the Duck books either like on the shelf at like the Foodland that right. we would go to or or um 
advertised within the other like Spider-Man yeah. or X-Men books that I was getting. He he did a lot of crossovers in the 90s, which we'll get to. Yeah, like I saw like I knew references of him and I had seen later on I had seen like snippets and previews of the movie, but I'd never actually seen the movie until we watched it for this. Sure. Um and then after that, like I, the only thing that I really knew about him was that everyone hoped he would show up in Guardians of the Galaxy because James Gunn was doing right. some weird things, right? And lo and behold, he did briefly in in one and two, in one and two, yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully three. Who knows? I would like to see Howard have a larger part in the MCU, but we'll get to that. <laughs> My so when I was growing up, I was a. It, it is an understatement to say I was a Star Wars fan. Oh, sure. Like, I was fanatical. Yeah. Uh, I was – and I remember there was, like, Star Wars Insider. It was, like, a fan magazine. And with it would come just extra posters and stuff. And one of the posters was this really, really well done um, drawing. I think the artist's name is Drew Strasberg, Strasberg, something like that. He he did the, like, Indiana Jones posters. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And, and the Star Wars ones. Like, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, no, um, those were iconic posters. Well, he did like a drawing of like George Lucas and then all of his like different franchises around it. And, <laughs> and Howard's in <laughs> right. there. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the thing that blew my mind about this going because I did, I, as, for as much as I had seen about the uh, movie when, like earlier in life, I did not know George Lucas had any hand in this. <laughs> so, God, now that I'm thinking about this, Howard the Duck is part of my filmmaker origin story. Really? Yes. Loosely, but yes. Okay. So, one of the things that made me first want to get into filmmaking was this show on the sci-fi channel called um, Exposure. And I'm not familiar. It, oh, God. It, it's probably garbage, but, like, I remember it fondly. <laughs> uh, it was a short film, mostly sci-fi, somewhat horror, um, where the, the host was Lisa Marie, who was w- at the time with Tim Burton. Okay. Uh, she was – she plays a bunch of, like, small parts. Like, she was um, Vampira in um, – Right. Edward. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that. Yes. So they would put her in like skimpy, tight, sci-fi 90s outfits. Like and you then, do. Yeah. Right. And then she would just like, now we're going to watch this one. Now we're going to watch this one. Now we're going to watch this one. And there was an episode, <laughs> I have it recorded on the VHS tape somewhere, <laughs> that uh, contained a short film called Lucas in Love, which I'm sure you can find on the internet somewhere. It is worth a watch, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. And it's George in college. Uh, trying to become a filmmaker and having like a hell of a time coming up with a script. Okay. Uh, and it's it's him like meeting this girl and seeing these like very obvious <laughs> inspirations for Star Wars. Like you see like a very tall man and a very t- short man and they're like bickering <laughs> with each other. Another one like clicks at him. Um, and like the girl he falls for has like buns on her head. Uh-huh. Uh, so like that, I don't want to give it away. It, it's cute. Uh, but it ends with... Like the revelate, like the climax of the thing, and then everyone's kind of like standing around, like, "What do we do now?" And I think his roommate comes in with a doctor. He's like, "I want you to meet Howard." Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and I saw that, and I was like, "I want to be a filmmaker." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the so th- that note that got you started uh-huh. on that path ends with Howard the Duck, right? Okay. Right, 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 right. No, it wasn't <laughs> me looking at a duck named Howard. And I'm like, I could do better than this. <laughs> Good God. Fantastic. Well, before I go into the summary of Howard the Duck, I uh, want to remind 
yeah, we want to remind everyone, uh, yeah, uh, like and subscribe the show to the show on every, on whatever platforms of your choice. Uh, please rate and review the show. That helps us get up in standings and into search results higher. Uh, we want as many people to discover us as possible and to check out the show. So please, uh, please do that. You guys are a bunch of rock stars. Definitely not a bunch of ducks. <laughs> quark, quark, quark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the uh, movie summary. They crammed a lot of story into this. I think hour forty minute, movie? something like that. Yeah, yeah they really like they really jam packed this thing. Got the mouth already. Okay, <laughs> we pan across the glowing cityscape, full moons perched overhead. A melancholy trumpet brings the mood low. You light a lucky and sling a, a bourbon, ready for the TCM to bring you the best in gritty film noir. Definitely film noir, and not a movie about a horny duck with aspirations of playing in a rock and roll band. <laughs> Except it is a movie about a horny duck with aspirations of playing in a rock and roll band. You slam your bourbon and lower your expectations. <laughs> no? Lower. Lower. Lower? Lower. Mm, close enough. <laughs> Inside Howard's apartment, the opening credits fade in and out over photos of his friends and family. The answer machine recites the sultry pleas of Wendy, hungry for that double D. That's uh, duck dick. Uh, I... <laughs> uh, we zoom into a love letter from Michelle, the duck, also hungry for that double D. Ducted. No, no, we got it. <laughs> Howard Howard grabs a huggy-sized Budweiser from the fridge, <laughs> watches some TV, and then opens an issue of Play Duck. Surely this movie can't be that horny. Surely they wouldn't put nipples on a duck. It is, and they and do. They did, and they sure, they sure do. Howard opens to the centerfold, revealing uh, Miss October, a duck with giant honkers and teeny tiny little pink nipples poking through her fluffy down. Just why... On earth would a duck have nipples? That's the the question I want to see on like a like a lollipop stick or like a popsicle stick. I I'm pretty sure that is the popsicle stick equivalent of the guy from PBR tweeting uh about eating ass. That does that thing that happened? That, yeah, you didn't hear about that? No. Yeah, yeah, the guy the guy who was running PBR's like brand social media account just <gasps> decided to start the year by tweeting about eating ass. He got fired. Oh. Yeah. No, which is wild considering how completely bonkers brand Twitter like, is. Like do they not know the brand that they are? Like do they are they aware? I I I have no idea. They, they must not know. <laughs> um Jesus. Okay, before Howard can choke the chicken, a phrase that only now in my 30s I'm questioning the etymology of Let's stop right there and confirm that, yes, duck titties do not an R rating make. Instead, the rating boards, which consists of parents and religious leaders, said it's perfectly okay for you to show this movie to your first grader. Yeah, this is a PG rated film, isn't it? It is. Because there wasn't PG-13 just yet. Um, or no, hadn't PG-13 like just we, happened? I think we looked this up mm -hmm. while we were doing the watch along. This was a year after Raiders. Or if, was it the same year as Raiders? If, well, it's not Raiders that brought about the PG-13 is Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, you're right. You're um, right, yeah. And I don't think Temple even got it. I think it was like because of Temple of Doom. It was formed because of that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, which I think is 84, and this came out in 86. So they don't have an excuse. They don't have an excuse. This should have been at least PG-13. <laughs> yeah, what are those? Well, some <laughs> when a man and a pervert make a movie together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> this Dana Barrett demon chair tears through the apartment. While demolish, uh, demolishing an elderly couple's bedroom, then a lady duck's relaxing bubble bath. Where there are more duck nipples. Yeah, but like this time, way bigger Ariel was. <laughs> you say that like it I, makes it better. 
<laughs> well, like the first set, it almost looked like it was a like a blemish coming up through. Like if they weren't matching it's a, it, blemishes, it's duck airbrushing, right? Right. Oh God. Um, I regret everything. We really need to start doing episodes again that my mom can listen to. <laughs> Howard exits through the side of the apartment complex, his chair flying through the sky, before entering a wormhole. A narrator, who isn't but might as well be Marvel's Watu the Watcher, poorly explains to children and uncomfortable adults of the 1980s the concept of the multiverse. Something that I guess you guys aren't ready for yet, but your kids are going to love it. God damn it. <laughs> Howard falls through the Phantom Zone, a uh, space mirror thing, before the title appears. Watu shouts, in the beginning, there was Howard the Duck, and the title explodes. I don't know why any of this happened, but it did. Choices were made. Howard crash lands in Cleveland, Ohio, only to immediately be accosted by several twisted sister rejects. They toss his ass into a legitimately awesome-looking bar, where a Joan Jett-esque band, Cherry Bomb, begins to play. Cherry Bomb is led by Beverly Switzler, played by Leah Thompson, hot off the success of that movie where she tried to fuck her son. <laughs> I think I I watched that DVD uh, extra that you sent me and she mentions like it was a weird couple of years for me. Like I was supposed to be in love with my son yeah. and I was supposed to be in love with a duck. I was really confused for a, for a bit there. And I think I told you that she had initially turned down a couple of movie offers yeah. while making Howard. Mm -hmm. And then when the press came out that like Howard was going to bomb really bad, she immediately like accepted all those movie offers because she's like, I'm never going to work again after this duck movie. <laughs> okay, so. Assuming Howard is a child in a duck suit, the bouncer gives him the rummy toss. Fleeing, Howard avoids being run over by a garbage truck, interrupts a couple necking in the alley, and is nearly run down by Satan's sluts, a, bike, a biker gang made up of surly women with big hair, fabulous eye makeups, and... Mom? Mom? Is that you? Uh, <laughs> a, duo, a, a duo of droog pledges harass Beverly as she leaves. They, they For real, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> They're like the Droogs if the Droogs sewed baby doll heads to their jackets. Kinda. Yeah. yeah if they yeah. had like a weird like body horror punk aesthetic. Yeah. So the, the Droogs are like, hey, let's go fuck up this chick. Howard comes to her aid, threatening to use Quack Fu as first seen in Howard the Duck number three. Uh, the fight scene is so-so, but knowing that the actor, Ed Gale, was essentially blind in that suit, I am honestly impressed at how natural he makes those movements look seriously that that was the thing that was the most wild for me to learn about this film was just yeah. the fact that he did so much of this without being able to see because he could only see when the duck bill was open right he learned his blocking by walking it backwards yeah that's wild yeah so i've got nothing bad to say about him no no he's uh, great after bev thanks howard for the help a storm breaks out feeling bad for howard the literal duck for getting caught in the rain she invites him back to her place the writers, who notably worked on American Graffiti and Star Wars New Hope, foreshadow the future uh, conflict between Bev and the band's manager, who is also her landlord. Um, no. Yeah, it's don't rough. Get, it's don't rough. get into business with your landlord. So many bad ideas. Before Bev offers Howard a saucer of duck. Ducks ain't cats, Bev! <laughs> Howard and Bev exchange witty banter, and for a second, I think maybe this movie won't be terrible. Then Howard falls out of the chair and has a Nam-style flashback of that time two hours ago when his his chair was sucked out of his living room. The horror. The horror. While tucking Howard into bed, Bev discovers Howard's wallet. This isn't important, but uh, kudos to the prop master, because if you look in the, the little, like, uh, where the photos are kept, behind the one with some, like, duck babes, 
there's a feather put in in there, almost like a, like a lock of hair. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's really subtle. I just that... happened to like pause at that moment. Oh, that's a quick gag. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even catch that. Wild. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's probably cuz you were distracted by the unwrapped condom or that was the worst. Just ducky rubber. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bye everybody. I can't. <laughs> I <see> it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like dried hard day old pasta. I hate that I know the reproductive habits of the duck. Which I will only describe as a process that H.R. Giger would find fascinating. Fair. Corkscrew wieners aside, <laughs> I, en- I genuinely enjoyed this scene. Uh, there's a lot of character and relationship building uh, without it feeling forced. Um, it's also, it's like almost enough to put aside the awkward sexual tension between a woman and a uh, waterfowl. Yeah. Almost. It, it, almost. Uh, they, they draw a little too much attention to that yeah. <laughs> in some moments, it's, but also their like rep, their like repartee is very natural yeah. and which like the writers having worked on American Graffiti, that makes sense to me. Like mm-hmm. it's a very like chatty banter movie, plot light, character heavy. Sure, sure. But when they, I think it's called lampshading. When you draw attention to the elephant in the room. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is a problem in the script. Let's point it out. We're acknowledging it. So that makes it less bad. Sometimes, a lot of times that works. I, I like that um, tool, but here it kind of works against it. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. The following day, we meet Phil, portrayed by Tim Robbins, who I guess is sort of friends with Bev or maybe an acquaintance through Bev's it, sex starved bandmate. It's never made Yeah, it. it's not 100% clear. Uh, Mr. Robbins plays an unhinged scientist working at a local museum. That's putting it mildly. He's like, what, like a lab assistant? I meant the unhinged part of oh, mild. Oh, yeah. But, I... but, but also, yeah, it's something <laughs> like that. Uh, I describe him as like a younger, spunkier Doc Brown with yeah. like, maybe like a Coke problem. Yes. There there it is. Okay. <laughs> Bev and Howard have gone to Phil in hopes that this vaudevillian plot device can help <laughs> Howard get back to Doc World. Phil is more interested in communicating with Howard in a Donald Duck voice, which shouldn't feel racist, but it, it, it really does. does. <laughs> Just pissed, Howard leaves. He and Bev fight, leading to the two separating. Howard scares off some children and a stunned man eating a sandwich. This is the closest we get to the grumpy asshole version of Howard that is in the comics. Sure. A series of pointless scenes follow in which Howard attempts to bite the juicy ass of a social worker, becomes yeah. a jizz mopper at a bathhouse. Completely one... unnecessary scene. <laughs> just... and, and like, kind of like the, at least the social worker scene was like brief and had some funny gags. Yeah. Him working at a bathhouse. Served no purpose. No. And you got that duck suit all goopy. Unnecessary. He also watches a bloodthirsty Elmer Fudd who's just like bloodthirsty for duck hunting. It felt very <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> Down- Maybe that's it. They're just trying to further set the tone of Cleveland <laughs> right. in the uh, film. Just nothing but like social workers with juicy asses <laughs> and bathhouses full of mud. <laughs> uh, but, but if you're from Ohio, let us, let know. us know if this is yeah. what Cleveland's like, because uh, I don't think that that represents my time there. Uh, I've never been, so I just assume it's exactly like that. Uh, the downtrodden Howard returns to the club where he first met Bev. There he runs into Cherry Bomb's manager and his goons. A fight breaks out. Howard beats the hell out of the goons with a, a little help from a strangely eager bartender who hands him a bottle for busting heads. I loved that. It's I so good. It's subtle. It's like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> just like goes right with the flow. Howard doesn't even stop, doesn't ask any questions, just immediately <laughs> bashes this guy in the head with a bottle. Howard threatens space rabies and the manager instantly relinquishes ownership of the band to Howard. Oh, God space damn it, rabies. <laughs> they like go at like a close up in his face like space rabies 
Backstage, Howard apologizes for being a douchebag to Bev. Phil enters the dressing room with beer and pizza, sees Howard and says something inappropriate in Mallard, which he I will attempt to Mallard. I hate myself for doing this, but it, it, it's something like, waka, waka, waka. It sounds like that. Yeah, he's kind of Fozzie bearing it a little bit. Yeah, it's like halfway between a Fozzie bear and a duck. <laughs> Howard asks what a pizza is. Phil says it's a circular Italian food object, which isn't wrong. That's not wrong. Yeah. He then steals one of Howard's feathers before running off laughing maniacally as he does. Tim what Robbins really weird, goes for it. What a weird character. Like he really he leans in yeah. hard, but like what a strange character. Like even for this. We cut to Bev's apartment where depending on your browser history, we answer the question you've either been eagerly waiting or dreading. <laughs> she going to fuck that duck? After flirting it's, it's, with Bev- it's either she going to fuck that duck or <laughs> is she going to fuck that duck? <laughs> right, it's it's the emphasis. Uh after flirting flirting with Bev Howard is surprised when Bev reciprocates. So, yes. <laughs> yes, she gonna fuck that dog. She called his bluff. <laughs> she did. She I, actually, did. I actually enjoyed how, like, uncomfortable he right. got. Like, that that was fascinating. Like, instead of having it played that he's, like, all about it and that mm-hmm. she's uncomfortable. I mean, it's still deeply weird it's that she's weird. that right. into it. And, like, you have to wonder, like, how much of that is her, like, just bluffing back and and like clearly just trying to make him uncomfortable at the but at the end of the scene she's like i'm just kidding but i'm like but mm, your performance the, does not indicate no as such. the delivery of that line does not assuage any suspicions that i have about the fact that you want to fuck this duck it's just yeah, yeah it's mm, mm. so she strokes howard's chest until his feathers kind of like there's got to be a name for that but it looks kind of like a bird mohawk type yeah thing. he he, he, he starts to like yeah yeah he, he clearly becomes aroused because his his head feathers just uh start to start to stand up on right, end right howard stops her before she can take off her shirt because featherless breasts aren't his kink also he's all out of condom he's also out of condom bev settles for a goodnight kiss which we see in silhouette through a hanging sheet as is phil carter and dr jennings played by jeffrey jones who immediately becomes the most uncomfortable aspect of a scene that just narrowly avoided bestiality it's a hell of a thing to be able to say, but here we are. Do we address the Jeffrey Jones in the room? I mean, he just entered the room, so right. yeah, we may, okay. as, we may as well. I mean, just up front, uh, uh, content warning at this point for mention of uh, child pornography and mention of uh, uh, abuse of children. And Yeah. So Jeffrey Jones um, was arrested for possession of child pornography. My mouth doesn't even want to say it. Yeah. Um, he didn't stay in prison. I think he was just only there for like a hot second, right? Because we looked it up. And we were like, "Oh, certainly he's still in jail." Yeah, he he, he not... never actually served a sentence. That's right. He just said like he was probably in there like as like under intake. It was yeah. I guess he was first arrested or something. But uh, unfortunately, he's in a lot of movies that I enjoy. So many. Yeah, it's painful the number of movies that he is in that are now that I now have to like. I have to like, enjoy somewhat less because right. I know he's in them. Like Beetlejuice specifically is one that's hard for me. And Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller just becomes creepier. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like way creepier. Uh, so the specific charges, was he was arrested in 2002 for possession of child pornography and accused by a 17-year-old boy of solicitation to pose for nude photographs. He pled no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor as the accuser was 14 when the offense first occurred. So... Hmm. Oh, and at the same time, the misdemeanor charge of possession of child pornography was dropped. So that's thanks to uh, – thank you, yeah. Wikipedia, for the uh, the the wrap-up there. Uh, he is still listed in a sex, a sex offender database as of right. last year. 
I think he is working again, though. Not in like a mainstream sense. I but hope I not. Is. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor explains that the laser zip zap zopped Howard to Earth and that bing bonging it will send Howard back. After technical some, terms. Technical terms. Yeah. <laughs> I explain it just about as well as they do. Uh, after some touching goodbyes, <laughs> the gang goes to the lab arriving just after a laser malfunction. The police arrive, harass and strip Howard and charge him with being an illegal alien. Howard. Well. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Sure. <laughs> He's certainly an alien. Howard and Bev escape only to find Dr. Jennings, his flesh burnt, and as it becomes increasingly obvious, super possessed. Jennings narrates the process of becoming this creature's host in unnecessary detail. The level of exposition that it that he, he just he just becomes exposition for like half an hour. It is bizarre. It mm. Like, there was no other way for you to do this? During the car chase, too. Like, the car chase yeah. is happening, he's narrating it. Uh, so, the the scene ends with Dr. Jennings, Bev, and Howard nearly crashing into Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi, which, like, kind of sounds pretty I want to go to this restaurant yeah. really badly. <laughs> like, it looks exactly like a diner on the side of a road, but sells sushi. Bev suggests coffee as a solution for the whole being possessed thing, and I'm inclined to agree with her. After freaking out their server, Dr. Jennings explains that he is actually one of the dark overlords of the universe. As abominable as Jeffrey Jones is, his performance is unfortunately really good. Like, he strikes a balance between being goofy and creepy. <laughs> it, it maybe is a little over the top at points, but the movie is that. Also, we get really cool 80s visual effects. Um, it's kind of like what we see in Ghostbusters with the proton packs. Um, yeah. Which I'm a fan of. It probably wouldn't fly today, but I liked it. No, for the for the era, the effects I thought were, were a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. thought they were well done. So Dr. Jennings proton blasts the ketchup and mustard jar to demonstrate his inner demon. We've already handled this tactfully, so I'm just going to skip over the number of pedophile jokes that I have listed here. Fair. Because <laughs> I'm a mature big boy. <laughs> That's when the three good old boys come over to harass Howard and Jennings. A fight ensues. Uh, Howard runs across the countertop calling someone a cracker. Uh, <laughs> which feels like the second time we've had to deal with that on this show, and I'm fine with it. Uh, the denizens <laughs> of the diner uh, turn on Howard, preparing to cook this clearly sentient creature, an act that violates Article 53 of the Fourth Geneva Convention. Is that true? <laughs> Fuck if I know. To my understanding, uh, no American has ever read it. <laughs> God damn it. But it is true. Uh, Bev lets slip that Howard's her boyfriend, a romance that is illegal in all but four states. I don't think she lets slip. I think she tries. She's actively trying to use that as a distraction. Like she. Like, like, oh, do you think it was like a. I thought yeah. it was like a cry for like, don't hurt him. I love him. Oh, no. I, I, oh, I took that as like, I need to stop him somehow. Oh. How am I going to get them to fucking do that? I know if they think I'm fucking this duck, they'll stop. And that's a weird thought to have. <laughs> Uh, Jennings intervenes when the movie's half-assed MacGuffin, a code car, is put into sorry, code card, is put yeah. into danger. I said like code car, you, a little bit. It's fine. Uh, what follows is as described to Joe earlier, the moment in a video game when the player gets a new power and just has to destroy everything in sight. Yeah, it gets full sandbox mode for a little bit yeah. there. <laughs> Jennings does this aimlessly, throwing lightning and fire around the diner. Like, even Howard's like, they get the point, Jennings. <laughs> the scene. Like, when your characters have to actively <laughs> yeah. point yeah. out, like, shut the fuck up, that <laughs> perhaps you're it's doing too of... much exposition. The scene ends with Bev being Princess Toadstooled away. 
At this point, we're an hour 10 into the movie, and while it's not like a great movie, it was pretty watchable up to this point. The remaining 40 minutes, however, are an absolute slog. So we're yeah. going to yada yada a little bit. Uh, Dr. Jennings steals a tractor trailer, tossing Bev inside, intending to use her body to house one of his overlord bros. Hungry, he decides he extends his quivering horned tongue from his mouth, no. plunging it into the cigarette lighter socket and absorbing the truck's juices. A look of orgasmic delight on his face. Somewhere, Clive Barker gets a chub and does not know why. <laughs> he knows. Uh, he we knows. <laughs> Hmm, cigarette lighter. <laughs> oh, uh, no. We cut to Phil calling the cops fascist for stealing his baseball cap. ACAB, my dude. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend that scene was entirely improv. Yeah. We then see Howard hidden, kind of hidden pretty well among uh, a bunch of like lawn statues of barn animals. Yeah, that was, that was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's standing on one leg like a flamingo, but whatever. Yeah. I guess, it's just... do ducks do that? Can they do that? I have no idea, actually. I feel like they're too wide heavy. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like they're, they're too, their legs are probably too stubby to make that actually work. <laughs> right? Uh, we'll we'll have a biologist come on the show and discuss <laughs> we'll it. We'll get a waterfowl expert. Yeah. He helps Phil escape the two hiding out in a nearby garage where they find a ultralight aircraft, a half bike, half glider, and a libertarian's wet dream as it exists in the illegal gray zone, needing no registration or pilot's license. Idiots. <laughs> Idiots. Fucking stupid. How'd that town go for you guys? Which one? The libertarian town that they put together was only libertarians and it got overrun by bears. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you know about that one? <laughs> I think I have heard of that one, actually. Yeah. Because I, I feel like they, that, like that kind of thing has happened multiple times. It always goes wrong. <laughs> bears fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> the bears can smell Thanks the for building this town for us. The bears can smell the libertarianism and they just go straight for the town. You guys aren't going to restrict us in any way, so fuck it. It's <laughs> uh, a weirdly political episode. <laughs> Oddly? Which actually is appropriate for Howard the Duck the comic, but not the movie. No, not the movie. Uh, by morning, Phil has fixed the damn thing, which leads into what was an extremely difficult and expensive chase scene between the police and the ultralight aircraft. I really want to know how much that scene cost. <laughs> like, I think they said, aside from the duck costume, it's like the most expensive. Oh, it has to be. Good it's lord. It's super boring and long and it like does nothing for the characters. It is. It's overly long and way too intensive. Like they land the damn plane mm -hmm. thing on top of a moving truck at one <laughs> they point. Do. Yeah. They go under some bridges. They go under some bridges. Uh, Tim Robbins hangs off the bottom of it. Yep. He has to like fix the plane at some point. Yep. I'm like, this isn't Indiana Jones or like Mad Max. It's. Anyway, so, like, we intercut between that and Jennings stopping at a power plant to, like, have a snack of the power plant. It, it just goes back and forth. It's it, There's, like, some funny bits. Like, Howard scares off some duck hunters. Um, I mean, that was pretty good. I, I enjoyed that. Jennings firmly insists that his name is not Jack. That was also good. <laughs> just, I have no license. <laughs> I am not Jack. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that I enjoyed his acting. I know. Um, it just. It's mostly just filler until we get to the last 25 minutes. That's, yeah. So with 25 minutes left in the film, everyone arrives at that laser thingy. Snidely Whiplash ties Bev to the table beneath the laser. Howard and Phil grab a neutron disintegrator, which is like in storage because reasons. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Jennings aims the, I think they say spectroscope at the overlord planet. Did they say spectroscope? Which I can't be right. That can't be. No, they're, they're just, they're throwing science words they, at the wall and right. seeing what sticks. That's all that is. That's why you gotta say like bing bongs and <laughs> zip zops because no one can argue with those. Uh, 
He you has, adjust the bling blong to z- to zip bip blip bloops. Um, needs more zazz. Definitely always more zazz. <laughs> he is transformed into a Cronenbergian Doctor Wiley. Am I saying that right? Yes. The vertebrae of his spine protruding through the lab coat. Howard and Doctor Jenning have a high noon showdown with lasers. <laughs> Which ends with the Overlord getting exploded from Dr. Jennings' body. Because science. Because science. A Ray Harryhausen abortion crawls from the wreckage. A mixture of scorpion, spider, and vagina dentata. The oh, claymation God. monster fires thorned penis tongues from its hands. It sure does. Catching Howard in one while using the other to restart the laser. <laughs> so stupid. It's <laughs> like absurd. I, I know the science and work that went into it and how it has progressed. Like that stupid scene alone has helped so many films after it, mm-hmm. but the scene itself is dumb. It, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a whoopsie doodle where like we were trying to do this one thing and instead invented penicillin. Like <laughs> we were trying to do like a weird vagina dentata scorpion and instead we fixed CGI for the next 40 years. It's a happy accident. There's a lot of happy accidents with Howard, but we'll get into it. Okay. With help from the dewormed Dr. Jennings, Howard is able to get back to the neutron disruptor and blast the Overlord. Howard then makes the decision to destroy the laser, preventing the arrival of future Overlords, but also eliminating his only means of returning home. How do you end this cluster duck? We <laughs> you just had to. I had to. We cut to the near future, where Cherry Bomb is now a successful rock band. Howard is still their manager, and Phil, likely having been barred from science as a whole, like the entire field <laughs> of science... Is now a stage manager. Howard fucks around with the fly system, pissing off the local IATSE, and ends up on stage. <laughs> sing- <laughs> I'm so happy I got the reference IATSE. And ends up on stage singing and dancing the song Howard the Duck, co written by George Clinton of the Parliament Funkadelic. That can't, I. It feels wrong I to say. I cannot believe they dragged George Clinton into this. <laughs> Just. Not wanting us to miss a single second of this killer performance, credits roll over the footage. And while I had already turned the movie off at this point in our initial viewing, on second viewing, I realized that there's a small clip following uh, that follows Howard and Bev's exit off stage. She compliments him on, on his performance before leaning in for a kiss. The screen fades to black before contact is made because seeing an unimpeded kiss between a human woman and a duck puppet is a line George Lucas is not willing to cross. Thus ends the first entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourselves. <laughs> The fuck was any of that? <laughs> oh, good lord! I hope you enjoy editing this one. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, so that that's Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> there's there are people responsible. I'd like to hold them responsible, but like even the names that we have are they're just barely attached to the project. So like the people who are actually responsible have gotten away scot free. Really? Yeah. So, like, George Lucas was involved, but, like, not really. Um, And Steve Gerber created Howard, but, like, he had, like, a meeting with the team. Right. He Yeah, he didn't really have a big hand or influence on the film itself. Yeah. I think there was one executive who basically was the scapegoat. Um, And depending on the re- which report you're reading, he either was fired or quit. Or resigned or whatever. Just... Was was given the opportunity to resign. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about in regards to Howard the Duck uh, and those responsible is the comic. Um, sure. And to talk about the comic, you have to talk about shit heel Dr. Frederick, Frederick Wortham. Frederick Wortham? Yeah. Okay. I 
loathe this man. Um, he wrote Seduction of the Innocent. Um, this is the gentleman. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm yeah. familiar with this. So he, for those who don't know, he utilized data, like fluffed the numbers to... Data. Yeah. Um, it caused a moral outrage that led to the creation of the comic book uh, code. code authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying that it was making children violent, vicious monsters. Um, it was pornographic. Uh Batman and Robin were gay, and I think EC Comics was the horror comic that the, – the company, the horror co- comic yeah. company that sank because of him. Um, it, it later turned out that like the comics he was referencing were like specifically pornographic comics. Like, Of course, yeah. Not superhero comics, but like – Actual porn. Right. Like specifically have, porn, not anything that was intended for kids to read. I imagine some like 1950s little hooligan with like a Tijuana Bible in the shed. <laughs> I wanted to cover more stuff with Frederick Wortham, but it's it's hard because they only put forth like you. There's that, and then he um, had some stuff to do with civil rights, which may have actually been positive. Interesting. Uh, but I distinctly remember listening to some podcast on evangelicals and him being involved in some shitty way. So, so, I've, so you're telling me that we still can't get the fuck away from saving Christmas? Yeah, is that where yeah. we still are right yeah. now? Because, because of this asshole, you know who I imagine <sighs> when I think of Frederick Wortham is the like weird priest in um, Poltergeist Two. I don't know if I've seen Poltergeist like, Two. It might be Poltergeist One. Anyway, he's got like the like flat hat and bad teeth. Anyway, not important. Um, so because of the code. You weren't allowed to, like, mention monsters by name. You had to, like, dumb down the violence. Villains were not allowed to win. Um, 1950s style, like, morality. Uh, Sure. But by the 70s, we had dealt with Vietnam, and nobody gave a shit anymore. Um, So the code started to relax, and Marvel wanted to try some new things. Um, It it tried everything. It's like, we don't know what's going to sell, so we'll try Kung Fu. We'll try horror. We'll try exploitation. Um, and, uh, one of the horror comics, uh, was called Adventure Into Fear, and it starred, um, Man-Thing, who is <laughs> Swamp Thing-esque, but less sentient. Um, it's basically just, like, a collection of moss that's big and scary, and, like, uh, I think the catchphrase is, like, uh, I'm gonna fuck it up, but to paraphrase, um, any man who knows... Fear knows man thing or some some shit like that. Like he basically like makes your fear. He's like a scarecrow type dude. Okay. Um. So because he doesn't talk or it doesn't talk, they have a lot of supporting characters. And one of those characters was Howard the Duck. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Who went on a magic mystery adventure with them and uh the <laughs> so I should mention he was created by Steve Gerber and Val Merrick. Let's say. Um. Okay. But the editor at the time, Roy Thomas, who was, like, friends with Steve, hated Howard. And he's like, you're killing him off at the end of the story. And Steve's like, fine. Uh, so he he basically, like, at the end of the first Thor where Loki just gets chucked into the abyss, <laughs> that's what they did with Howard. Um, but the, the demand for more Howard was... Surprisingly so, high. Yeah. So, like, I guess we'll just have him fall out the other side of that abyss... <laughs> Uh, and he got like a bunch of uh, guests spots on the same uh, adventures in the fear 
and then he eventually got backup stories, which I don't know if people know what that is, but it's you have like the main story in a comic, and then the backup story is like three or four pages with a separate character. It may be related to the main story, but most time it's not. Hmm. It's basically they don't do them too much anymore. But back in the day, it used to be a way to like test out this character to see if people like it. Um, okay. Or people like this character, but not enough for them to have their own series. So we'll give them. A so, that's, so I imagine that's where he was kind of falling because he did because there was already demand. Yeah. yeah. So because of those backup issues, he eventually got enough fandom to get his own series. Wild. Yeah. And so is and so is that where they end up sending him to Cleveland? Then is he he, he yes. comes out the other end of this abyss and lands in Cleveland. He immediately comes out the other end of the abyss. I think he. I think it might have been. A guest, like a backup story, but like he ends up in Cleveland. The nobody's like, this is a duck person, and I'm a cop, and like fuck you. And he he has a couple of adventures where he tries to do the good thing, but then, uh, like for example, he he runs into Bessie the vampire cow. Um, that like Dracula got a thirsty, <laughs> drank a cow, turned a cow into a vampire, and then Howard hunt, hunted <laughs> down the vampire cow, did the thing you do to the vampires, and then the police are like, why'd you kill that fucking cow? <laughs> uh. So I think the first issue starts with like Howard getting out of prison <laughs> because he killed that cow. Because he killed that cow, and then he this <laughs> God is damn it. Uh, uh, I guess content warning for or uh, suicide. But the first issue of Howard is him like trying to find somewhere to kill himself. Oh God! Yeah, it just opens on him like, where is a high enough place for me to kill myself? That giant rock there. There's I don't know Cleveland well enough, but like some water watery area has a a giant rock pillar sticking out and he's like yeah i could probably j- die if i jump from that only discover it's like a wizard's tower because <laughs> sure uh, why not specifically um i'm probably gonna say this wrong but uh the wizard prorata prorata it's a accounting term because prorata is a cosmic accountant he also fights characters like his arch enemy uh dr bong not like a water bong but like a bong bong like, the like sound a, like a bell bong like a yeah be- yeah <laughs> Uh, for those worried about Bessie the Cow, don't worry. She comes back. She's a currently a member of uh, Deadpool Inc. <laughs> uh, Excuse th- me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. B- Bessie's doing fine. She hangs out with, although she's more humanoid now. Like before, she was literally a cow with like a cape. Now she like walks. She's bipedal. Sure. Okay. <laughs> she's doing all right for herself. Uh, and then throughout his adventures, so when he goes to the tower, he, that's where he meets Beverly Switzler, which is she was also captured by per, per, by, by pro pro rata by by compound interest the wizard right, Just, right. the cosmic wizard uh, <laughs> right so th- those uh, initially the the comics kind of fantastical like comics do, and then it becomes a little bit more political the more. Uh, Steve Gerber is allowed to do whatever the fuck you want. Well, you figure you're going to have to start fantastical whenever your your protagonist is right. a surly talking duck that who smokes a cigar. Who smokes a cigar in Cleveland? Yeah, I don't think you can talk about Howard the Duck without talking about the many lawsuits. Lawsuits. Yeah. Okay. So Disney sued Marvel because Howard looked too much like Donald Duck. I there are some early mm-hmm. images of him where he is pantsless and yeah. wearing blue and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I could see how that would happen. I, that, yeah. that, I had wondered whenever I saw those older images, like, did they did they get in trouble for that? They did. And I I think, I'm not sure if this is correct or not, but um, I think in other countries, the word for duck was basically Donald Duck. <laughs> um, like, the, 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 
there's how, too much cry. I don't. I have no idea. How how the hell do you get so big in a country that your fictional character becomes eponymous for a species? Right. Yeah. So they're like <laughs> your duck looks too much like duck and our duck. So you got to change that duck. Uh, they specifically <laughs> wanted him to wear pants. Sure. And the one that makes me uncomfortable is he. They wanted his webbed feet to be finger toes, which I don't like anything about that if you look at the like marvel mcu version of howard he does have like finger toes really and well and pants obviously but yeah well i mean the pants i expect the pants are fine yeah the pants are fine um and depending on who the artist is he's also drawn either with webbed feet like a duck or finger toes or somewhere in between (sighs) so marvel ended up firing steve gerber the creator of howard because uh, along with the comic, he was also writing strips for the magazine and okay. he was coming in late or like giving it to them like the day before print. Mm. Um, and I, th- they fired him. It kind of, to me, sounds like they had the excuse to fire him because he was late, but also because he was a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> like he sounds like the kind of guy that is constantly fighting the system, no matter if the system's helping them or not. Just so he's just like contrarian. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, he's also since passed, so I can't ask him. But the, from what I've read, he's I'll get the seems... we- I'll get the Ouija board. It's Would fine. you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like even just reading the comic, I'm like, this guy sounds like he'd be a pain in the ass to work with. <laughs> um, he reminds me a lot of Ralph Bakshi, um, as does hmm. Howard. So have you heard of Fritz the Cat? Yeah. That whole I don't I don't know when Fritz came out, but like it's an animal who is anthropomorphic, who comments in society, who's kind of a douchebag and gets into trouble. Does he also smoke cigars? He drinks. He drinks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's some similarities. Yeah. Um, although Fritz is way hornier. Um, anyway, I, there's... I, I don't want... I don't want it. <laughs> you would not enjoy that movie then. Um, <laughs> at least they're all animals in that one. Okay, that's yeah. I mean, that's a little better. That's at least yeah. I'm not imagining Leah Thompson fucking a cat. Um, but I, I feel like if you got Steve Gerber and Ralph Bakshi in a room, they would very much get along. Um, so I, I can't remember exactly why Steve sued Marvel. Or well, I do, but it doesn't make sense to me. Okay, why? What, what, so what's the reason? Here? He was suing Marvel for rights to Howard, but okay. Um, and things have changed a little bit since then, and I, I don't want to get on like a comic book history tangent. Um, but it used to be that like, if you were for Marvel, you were for hire, right? Like you were for hire. Yes. They, and they owned any characters that you created. And I feel like it's, if it was a 70s, so that would have been like pretty well known. So I don't know why he thought he could sue for rights to Howard. Um, but he did, he did sue hmm. and the, they did settle out of court, but I think partially because the movie had started to be in production and like, we don't need, we don't need to deal with this while we're also in production for Howard, the duck. Movie. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, at the same time, Steve created destroyer duck for eclipse comics, which uh, either has been bought up or doesn't exist anymore. Um, I've never heard of it. So it, they did some cool stuff. I think Jack Kirby created it cause he was also tired of like comic book rights shit. But, yeah. um, sp- he, Steve specifically created, Destroyer Duck to help pay for the lawsuit, um, which I only bring up because it leads into the Great Duck Heist, one of my favorite, most petty <laughs> moments in comic book history. Oh, okay. I'm excited to hear um, this. So 
Marvel and Steve Gerber kind of like had an on, on again, off again relationship uh, till he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the 90s, they were trying to court him back to writing Howard because Howard still was popular, but the fans only wanted him to write Howard. Okay. Wait, uh, wait they didn't want anyone else to the tackle f- the character? The fans wanted Steve Gerber to write Howard. Okay. Because um, he was so closely associated with the character. And like sure. some other people had written him, but it just wasn't, didn't have the same zazz. Mm. Uh, so Marvel asked Steve if he'd write a Howard Spider-Man issue. <laughs> oh, um, God. But he was concerned that like, so he at the same time had already planned to write Destroyer Duck and Savage Dragon as a team up issue. And he didn't want like one duck to steal the other duck's thunder. Hmm. <laughs> Eric Larson, who created Savage Dragon, I think this was at Image Comics, I want to say. Um, he's like, well, why don't you do like an unofficial crossover? And Steve's like, I like that idea. They'll never go for it. <laughs> but mm, they did. Because they're stupid. <laughs> they're like, wow. yeah, sure. If you want to write it, like, sure. Um, so he started working on the two comics and he found out that the reason they wanted him to come back was they wanted him to like basically launch this crossover series and then not invite him back for the rest of them. So like Howard would go on to like Howard and Gambit, Howard and, you know. <laughs> Howard and Gambit's a weird combination. Yeah, really, like Howard and any character is a weird combination. Yeah. Except for Rocket. Raccoon. Like no, that makes a that, war- makes, that, that yeah. I would actually really like to see. Yeah, um, volume the following volume they they team up uh, <laughs> of, of uh, Chip Zdarsky's Zdarsky's run. Anyway, the, the only run of Howard that I've really enjoyed is Chip Zdarsky. Um, some of the older comics I do enjoy as well, especially Howard running for president. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, so. This this pissed Steve off, right? Like he's like, "Oh, you're just bringing me into like the launches thing, and then you're telling me to." Fuck, Tell me to fuck, fuck off, off. yeah. Right. So he's like, all right, well, I've got a very petty idea. Uh, <laughs> so within the comic, Spidey and Howard and Beverly track the villain to a warehouse. I don't even, it, it's such a lame villain, I don't even remember. I think it was like an elf with a gun or something like that. Uh, that's a real character. <laughs> I know. We, we, we've discussed <laughs> elf with a gun in the past, I believe. <laughs> uh, well, in the Image comic, Savage Dragon and Destroyer Duck are led to the same warehouse. Um the villain, seeing this, like, multitude of ducks, starts <laughs> zapping thousands of anthropomorphic ducks into the warehouse. So you have, like, a Superman duck, esque duck, and you have, like, all these different ducks just, like, filling this warehouse. Um, so once he, the villain, is defeated, the place begins to crumble. Spidey grabs Howard and runs. Savage Dragon uh, grabs the real Howard and runs. <laughs> And then in the image comic, <laughs> he, he and Destroyer Duck comment on like, why did those guys grab a clone duck? So in the image comic, <laughs> Steve Gerber stole Howard and Beverly and left Marvel with a lifeless clone. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's, like I've looked at the panels and I'm like, one, how did you get away with this? Like how did Marvel not like throw a shit fit? And like, clearly it was ed- editorial, like, not paying close enough attention. Well, clearly, yeah. Like, somebody absolutely dropped the ball in there, which I guess is, is the entire point of, like, the duck shell game that you've uh, that you've put together in this giant warehouse full <laughs> right. of ducks. Yeah. But... Distraction! <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. How did that not result in a lawsuit? I don't know, but I love it so much. That's bonkers! I mean, like, Marvel went on to do Howard comics like they planned to do, and, like... Sure. But... But... For Steve Gerber personally, he's like, 
Well, that's not the real Howard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah, for 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 the rest of his life he can claim like yeah. no, no, that wasn't Howard. Howard went that way. Yeah. Howard's How- over with Savage Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um and just wow. Uh absolutely amazing. And and those those 90 comics in general, I don't I'm not a fan of 90s comics and they're probably garbage. I didn't read any of them, but um that brings us to George Lucas. Okay. Who gets the most flack for this movie? And it seems a little weird. It is weird. And but... I so I just read George Lu- it's his biography, George Lucas, I think it's George Lucas A Life or something like that. Um it's pretty good. But it explains that George Lucas at that moment in time was enormous, right? So not only did he have the Star Wars trilogy out, which ended in 83. 83, yeah. He also had the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. series. Uh, they, uh, Temple being released in 84, I want to say. And everyone was wondering, like, what's going to be your next project? Like, he hadn't directed a movie since the first Star Wars he'd only produced. Um and now I wish he'd kept it that way, but it's fine. Um, I think we, and most of us feel that way. Uh, so he, he had really early on, he had pitched Howard the Duck to the the people who went on to write and direct it. Um, yeah. William Hike, which we both <laughs> <laughs> desperately want to pronounce as Yuck. Uh, and Gloria Katz, who are, I think they're married. I think they're still married. I think so. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. Um, but they were old pals of George. Oh, they worked with him on American Graffiti mm-hmm. and everything. Like they, like they, they knew each, they had known each other for quite a long time. Since college. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they attended the same parties. Like they were, they were really good friends. Yeah. Uh, so like forever ago, like American Graffiti days. He's like, I really like this Howard the Duck comic. Like it's funny. It's got like a film noir slash absurdist vibe, which to an extent it does. And that is how I very loosely connected noir to the intro is yes he said the word noir and i said yes please Uh, (laughs) i will run with this one reference (laughs) um so he had wanted to do it at the same time marvel was desperately trying to sell the how the howard luck rights for whatever fucking reason i mean he was kind of big at that moment but Mm -hmm. not so big i'm like you could have sold any of your characters maybe they were they were like nervous to sell the bigger characters, like here, probably, you yeah. I, I feel like at that point, like you're not you're not getting into like yeah. the early two thousands. Like we have to sell off the rights to the big names, or else we're gonna tank, right? I mean, uh, I mean, they they did bankrupt, but they still. They I mean, you can. Them. I mean, you can declare bankruptcy and not collapse. Yeah, like you know, like that that happens all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, unless you owe student loans, unless um, you owe student loans. Um, so George, it was a mixture of like, he wanted to help out his buddies. He also loved himself some merchandising. Um, I mean, keep in mind this, this was closely, came closely after Ewoks, Caravan of Courage. (laughs) So he's like, (laughs) yes, please remind people that that exists. So he's like, yeah, like, absolutely. I will, uh, we will do this movie where action figures are a possibility. Yeah. If it has even a, even like a faint hint of that toyetic stink, he's yeah. gonna he's 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 gonna he's gonna run to it. So even even with all that in mind, they they didn't want Howard to be the way that it came out. Like they they wanted it to be funnier with like darker moments. Mm-hmm. Um, they also wanted it to be animated. Right. Yeah. They had originally wanted it to be animated, um, mm-hmm. but they want there, there was a desire from the studio to have it be a summer, be like the, like coming out that next summer. It would have yeah. taken years to animate. Specifically, you, so Universal's the company that put it out. Yes, and they wanted those Lucas Bucks, right? So ASAP. 
uh, Fox had Star Wars. I think Paramount at the time had Indiana Jones. And they're like, well, we want our own franchise and with George Lucas attached because he says he's a money bank person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to fill the summer slot with Duck and animated movies didn't sell very well. It's, and they, it took, but Duck movies but duck historically <laughs> crush in the summer. Yeah. It's just. That's what the people want to see. Um, so I'm going to quote. Oh, yeah, in July, I need to get in to see my Duck movies. Uh, I'm going to quote from uh, Gloria Katz specifically about the response to this Duck movie. Um, it's a film about a duck from outer space. It's not supposed to be an existential uh, experience. We're supposed to have fun with this concept, but for some reason, reviewers weren't able to get over that problem. Maybe maybe because it made it really unclear as to whether or not Leah Thompson wanted to fuck this duck. Well, Steve Gerber also had a response to that. Oh. Yeah. Um, He declared that the comic book series was exactly an existential joke, stating, this is not a joke. There it is, the cosmic giggle, the funniest gag in the universe, that life's most serious moments and most incredible dumb moments are often indistinguishable only by a momentary point of view. Anyone who doesn't believe this probably cannot enjoy reading Howard the Duck. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> um, so in, in regards to it being animated, or not being animated, rather, Lucas was like, well, I got this ILM. It can do things. It can do things, yeah. And so so hence they hence came the uh the puppets and the yeah, costumes which to be fair are are groundbreaking like yeah genuinely like the the level of expression they're able yeah. to get out of this damn duck is wild like reading the the George Lucas book he oftentimes maybe not in a good way but like oftentimes pushed ILM to do more than they were capable of sure i'm not surprised and uh and this is one of those examples, I'm sure. Everything they've done is one of those examples. Yeah, if, if George it's... Lucas is involved, um, like behind the scenes, it's an utter disaster. But they make such giant leaps in technology each time they do something stupid like this. Amazing. Like, and George is never happy with it, or wasn't happy with it. But we got like the the dog fights in the Star Wars movies are ridiculously awesome. Yeah, um, and that's through ILM uh, busting their ass. Uh, and like the Howard costume is, it's pretty, like it, his face is very expressive, even if it is a little creepy. Um, oh, it's unnerving at a number of points, but it's also, it is also like wildly engaging. Yes. Yeah. Um, for me, I've narrowed it down to specific, and we'll talk about this in the critique. Specifically, the thing that makes me upset about the costume is that the eyelids are flesh colored. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. It, but like at the same at the same time, like I, I guess if you're th- if you're thinking about a duck, yeah. like are they going to get are they going to put feathers over his over his eyelids? We'll talk about it. I have some suggestions. Okay, cool. Um, so some other things that happened. So originally, Robin Williams was going to voice Howard. That's uh, what he was originally going to voice Howard. But the issue is that like the, the way that they filmed Howard, they recorded the live action first and yeah. then the actor had the dub over the duck lips it was it was just too hard for it to be the reverse way mm-hmm. and they they had considered ed gale who's the person inside the puppet 
uh, for the voice, but they didn't like match up with what they wanted, and it was also the, like super muffled. muffled within didn't the, the puppeteer end up doing it? Like I remember like, that DVD extra video you sent me, or sort of something about the. Uh, or like Ed Gale had said something about the puppeteer who was who was doing a lot of the uh, like the actual motion and I, I think the puppeteer was, did um, the or maybe that was just the on set, on set version yeah. where he was like speaking through a microphone that was coming through a hidden speaker there so Leah Thompson or whoever else in the scene could hear and interact properly yes because you couldn't hear shit that Ed was saying through that mask right and they they got I I had it typed somewhere and I think I deleted it um they got a. a Broadway actor to come in. Oh, um, like I don't hate the voice. It just it. It's not it's great. N- it's not the Howard from the comic book. Um, yeah, like totally. It's a little, it, little cartoony. Yeah, yeah. It definitely comes across as cartoony. I would agree with that. But Robin Williams being known for his improv was like, huh, oh my god. Nope. Um, so Could, that would have been pretty cool. But. So given some of the production delays and whatnot that took mm-hmm. place, just like with trying to improve upon like the performance for yeah. Howard like recursively as these things were going on. Uh I can only imagine what a nightmare it would be to have to then redo a whole bunch of shit to make up for Robin oh Williams God. improv. Because yeah. it would like, all be gold. It would be good yeah. You'd have you'd have so much great material to work with that like you're you'd feel beholden to have to actually do yeah. it at that point. Like I guess the other way to do it would have been to record his stuff first and then the puppeteer would sync up with the, the audio as it's playing. I don't know. I don't know how you would do that. Maybe. Um, I mean, the, the best way is to take Robin Williams and teach him how to be a puppeteer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and let him. Send him to Jim Henson school. Send, send him to the Henson school. I don't know if that exists, but it should. It should. And really. he will learn how to duck talk and uh, <laughs> it'll be great. Oh, um, my God. I love that idea. Just. Give just give Robin Williams a chance to like learn how to operate all these puppets and like give him a little crash course on Sesame Street or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> just. <laughs> I mean, you had like Frank Oz did Yoda. Yeah, he was a puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Um, originally they wanted someone else to do the voice, but then George was like, eh, "It's really yeah, good. It's really like, good. Just... It's Frank fucking Oz." Yeah. Just <laughs> but like at the time, it was like it wasn't Frank Oz. It was Jim Henson's second in command. Oh. Yeah, like he wasn't famous at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. It's like, yeah. ah, as the guy who does Miss Piggy's voice, which is amazing. But <laughs> uh, anyway, a couple of other quick factoids. Um, so we, we've already talked about Jeffrey Jones, but yep. he, he suggested the slow mutation of his character from Sunburn to Cronenberg. I will say the effects work on that was mm-hmm. amazing. Just. Yeah his his character build and also like it's a very slow progression like it's not like phase one two and three four it's you like really like you it is subtle the mm-hmm. differences in some cases and then by the time it's like full-fledged like mm-hmm. you see like his cheekbones have completely yeah. changed he looks grotesque even in the diner stone al- alone it slowly changes and she took my eggs <laughs> uh <laughs> so fuck him but like good idea it and i was well, a good idea from what I understand, he did a lot of the, like keeping up with what makeup needed to be because films aren't shot in order. Surprise. No. Yeah, the, the, yeah, because uh, he had to he had to um, think about where he was in his transformation yeah. every time because they weren't shooting it in yeah. sequence. And I wouldn't think that would work out, but it did. Um, and then once again, I just want to mention how awesome Ed Gale 
wonderful. Just like, just the, phys- the 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 physicality he brought to that performance mm-hmm. is it, one of the one of the reasons why like the Howard puppet and suit works. Yeah. It, 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 he deserves all, so much praise for that. Although, speaking of the costume working, um, it was one of the first times they had done wireless puppetry. Yeah. So they had like radio controllers and shit and anytime like a plane would go over by, go by yeah. over there or something. someone's um, garage door was yeah. open somewhere yeah. with the and duck mask starts freaking like, out which like just, where's that footage <laughs> i really want to see those bloopers <laughs> oh god um but oh, uh, technology fucking great <laughs> it's amazing like I, again i've been reading the book and listening to the problems they had with r2 i'm like i would have never known just watching the movie, they're like, yeah, R2 was a piece of shit. Like, we hated that fucking droid. <laughs> uh, it was just a, a nonstop problem. And, like, Anthony Daniels just basically had to be, like, picked up and dropped off places. Yeah, you basically just put Anthony Daniels on a hand truck and just kind of roll <laughs> yeah. him off somewhere. <laughs> God. But, so, like, Ed, Ed Gale would do, like, the reason the performance between Leah Thompson and Howard works is because she's like we acted like we acted off each other like yeah Gale's an actor he's um, yeah absolutely um and he deserves he deserves that recognition yeah that is awesome uh and the last thing i want to point out is that uh howard is part of the reason why pixar exists really yeah so pixar was originally a subsection of i want to say ilm and they wanted to get into like animated features or a- animated films in general. Okay. Um, and George was like, "There's no money in that. You need to do X, Y, Z." Just basically being like a support system for our for ILM, um, and like work on specific effects. And they were, they did that, but then at the same time, I forget the guy who was in charge would also hire people. Like, yeah, I need to hire this like visual movement expert, and then he would like assign them to do like Pixar shit. Huh. Um, so like at one point so George, George Lucas funded all of his movies himself because he wanted complete creative control of course yeah um, which sometimes worked out I mean in the long run it definitely worked out and, and there were points throughout his life where like Lucasfilm and ILM were not looking so hot and one of the things that had to go after Howard tanked he's like I hate this part of my company anyway I'm selling off Pixar and Steve Jobs was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Check, please. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, and he. And here we are. Yeah. You know, after the journey that they've taken to eventually end up with Disney, here we are. Yeah. As That's bonkers. Did... I had no idea that there was a connection to ILM there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, they also own Lucasfilm now. So. Or did they... Yeah, that kind of came like backwards yeah. full circle, huh? So, uh, yeah, that's that's the journey to Howard. The Howard that we have now, um, good, yep, <laughs> that's a duck movie. Um, God, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the razzle-dazzly-dazzled stats. Well, and... Yeah, we'll talk about the stats, and we'll get into how, uh, what worked, what didn't, well, and we'll fix this. We will. <laughs> All right, see you in a minute. <laughs> hey, well, welcome back to Derazzled. Um, we're going to jump right into some stats. Yeah, we know we went a little bit long on the last bit here, so we're gonna dive right in. Uh, so, what, what, uh, what, which Razzies was this? Like, not, like numerically, 
I know this is early. This is the um, earliest film that we've covered in the Razzie's history, if I'm not mistaken. That can't be true. Is that is it true? I'm pretty sure that's true. Well, I, I don't have uh, a memory, so <laughs> because I'll because the first it. the first Razzie's was in the eight was in eighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. And this is eighty six. Yes, we haven't done anything before that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think this might be our our earliest one. Yeah, you may um, have noticed we're not going in any kind of order. With oh yeah, no, no, no. no. Um, it's also the first one we are covering that tied for best best worst picture. It did. With, it did tie. Um, I keep wanting to say cherry orchard, but che- che- Chekhov had nothing to do with this. no. <laughs> uh, cherry tree, cherry cherry moon under uh, the cherry under moon. Under the cherry moon. Yeah. Uh, it's a prince prince movie. Yes. So uh, we'll do the stats real quick. Um, the general Rotten Tomato score is. Do you know this? You want me to? Do you want to take? Notes? I actually don't know this. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't. I either didn't look it up or didn't retain mm-hmm. it. What would you guess? I would guess forty-five. General. The general score, not the not the audience score. No, I mean it's, um, um, fourteen. Oh, fourteen. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about the audience score? Oh, audience score. Um, anyway, I'm going to stick with my 45. 38. 38. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. People didn't like this movie. Huh. Uh, IMDb? IMDb? Out of 10? 3.2? That's what I would give it, but uh, 4.7. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Just... yeah no- normally, you're pretty good at these. Normally, I am. Yeah, I'm off my game today. So. I put all the game into the into the noir. At the stinkers. Our our kind of sister shitty movie <laughs> award show uh, at the ninth annual Stinker Awards, the Hastings Bad Cinema Society awarded Howard worst picture in nineteen eighty six at the seventh Golden Raspberry Awards. Howard the Duck was nominated for seven Golden Raspberries. It tied with Under the Cherry Moon for worst picture. Uh, so it. Was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for Tim Robbins. Not surprised. But uh, Jerome Benton from Under the Cherry Moon won. Yeah. Uh, it was also nominated for Worst Director for, is that right, Willard? Hyuk? Hyuk. Um, um, but Prince actually yeah, Prince, won for Prince Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> uh, no, here it won for uh, Worst Screenplay. It for worst screenplay. Written by uh, Willard Hyuk and Gloria Katz, based on the Marvel Comics character created by Steve Gerber. Yeah. Uh, it was. And I, I hate this next one. Also it, nominated for worst original song for uh, Howard the Duck, written by Thomas Dolby, uh, Ali Willis, and George S. Clinton. Don't forget it. It also won worst new star for the six guys and gals in a duck suit and Howard the Duck. That's not fair. You can fuck yourself. That's no. I think yeah. that's that's a that's a bullshit win right there. Like. The amount of work that those people put into so, so Ed Gale was the lead person, lead actor in, yeah. in the Duck Soup, but there were and other people as well. Before him, there was also a twelve-year-old. There was also a twelve-year-old who backed out for like claustrophobic reasons. Yes, uh, but Ed, I, I think I think Ed Gale deserves some goddamn praise for yeah. what he went through in that suit and what he like, what he managed to put together. I, I think they were they were going for the the gag award, um, which oftentimes when Razzies go for the gag award, I want to puke. Yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's pretty shitty most yeah. of the time when they do that. Um, it did also win uh, for worst visual effects. Yeah, which um, is I don't know if I don't know weird. if it deserves that one actually. I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. think that's fair. I, I don't know what the other ones that were nominated, but Invaders from Mars, uh, special effects by John Dixtra and uh, 
Creatures designed by Stan Winston, and then King Kong Lives, Creature Creations by Carlo Rim- Rambaldi. I don't know. I don't know anything about either of those movies. No. Uh, I mean, like, I can get, I can see how like the visual effects for this one were a bit jarring at times, but I don't know that yeah. they would necessarily constitute being the worst. No, I think they were just like, that duck, duck looks scary. Let's shit on it. Not being <laughs> aware of the amount of work that put in that was put into it. Um this I mean, it no- does. I mean, it is. Uh, it, it is unnerving, despite all yeah. the work that was put into it. Yeah. But I. But again, I don't think this. Is, I don't think that awards. This deserved. isn't like Troll Two, where I'm like, that is a Halloween mask just replicated <laughs> they, over and yeah, over again. Yeah, like they didn't go to Spirit Halloween <laughs> right. and grab whatever they could. This. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with Howard, but I. I do want to point out that uh, for the worst career achievement award, Bruce the Rubber Shark from Jaws, Jaws Two, and Jaws 3D won. Good for you, Bruce. Hmm. Uh, there's a part in the George Lucas biography where it talks about uh, Spielberg being like, George, go ahead and get in that shark. I'll be fine. I'll take a picture. And he <laughs> closes the the mouth of Jaws on George and then it gets stuck. Oh, and no. she's just laughing and laughing. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus God. Christ. Um, so – uh, let's go ahead and critique this film. Man. Let's critique this film. Okay. What? So we're so, traditionally we start with what worked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so with the cast specifically, I, I think we've already sung the praises of Very of much. Ed. Um, I I don't, I think Leah Thompson did a pretty good job. Given I the script. honestly do too. I, I think I think her her performance was uh, was engaging. Mm-hmm. It was believable under this. Well, I mean, except for the whether or not she wanted to fuck this duck. That part's still like. That she leans into that a little too quickly for any human. I, I want to blame that on the clunky writing. Yeah, personally, I think, but, I think that's fair. Um, uh, but but no, I, th- I think she was. I, I think she really did a good job with it. And she, the fact that she actually took the time to like learn to sing, learn to play oh, guitar. Yeah, she did. Yeah, like, I forgot about that. Like she actually like. It doesn't sound bad. No, not at all. I mean, especially when you consider like I. I I don't know if you saw this anywhere. I didn't actually have a chance to like cross reference it, but my therapist said that apparently one of the people who was in the running for the role was a young Tori Amos. I want to say it's true. Yeah, yeah for yeah. Like, they, they potentially were going to play Beverly in this movie. It was like Tori fucking Amos, really? <laughs> yeah, like you had an actual musician mm-hmm. who could have played this role, and instead you went with Leah Thompson, and they, I think they made a good choice. Like the the Howard the Duck song is awful, but it's terrible. The first song that. Cherry Bomb plays. I'm like, I actually kind of like this. Like, I'll probably listen to yeah, that song. Yeah, like the non Howard the Duck stuff that they that they play uh, is actually like kind of legit. Like, yeah. I'd I'd go see that show. Yeah, especially if it was at that bar. The chain link fence was a bit much for me, right? But a little, like little otherwise, Blues Brothers, but uh... <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, like yeah, pretty cool venue. I'd, yeah. I'd I'd grab a drink and watch a band there. Um, feeling comfortable saying this, but you know I'm gonna. Yeah, I know. I know what you're about to say. Jeffrey Jones's performance uh, was good. Like, like, yeah, I mean, he he him he himself is reprehensible, but the perform the performance was good. Talent just... talent does not prevent you from being a piece of shit. Yeah, uh, I mean, as Hollywood has proven time and time yeah. again. Um, I think I think that's as far as actors go. T- Tim Robbins yeah. didn't work for me. We'll get to that. No. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to him and what doesn't and what doesn't work. Um, what do we want to move on to? Themes, or? story, story. Mm-hmm. Okay, story. Um, oh, what works for the story? Hmm. I think that the setup and 
payoff of Howard becoming the band's manager and that becoming like mm-hmm. how he gets by and lives in this world makes sense. I think that as a plot thread works. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think, I think that there are a lot of bumps along that road mm-hmm. that are completely unnecessary, but that itself, I think works. They, I, if I remember correctly, uh, Hike and Katz didn't want to do an origin story. Actually, yeah. no, I know that's true. They didn't want to do an origin story. They just wanted, like, Howard is weird and he's here. They also wanted to shoot it in fucking Hawaii, so. <laughs> they also wanted to shoot it in Hawaii, which, like, I get it, but also not comic book accurate. Um, but the, the whole opening in Duck World was shot after the fact. Right. They didn't want to do any of that. Like, they felt pressured into yeah. into doing that. So, I, I think had I, – I, I think you kind of got to have an origin when you're having like a human or a duck in a human world. Yeah, no, I, um, I think for for what this movie, is, like for the way this story works and the way this movie goes, mm-hmm. I feel like you needed to establish that, yeah. and I think they got it done and out of the way quickly. Yeah. You know, they 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 addressed it. Got it some was enough duck titties in there. They I mean, they could have done without the duck titties, but you know, um, I specifically enjoy the part where he's watching various TV programs on his uh, duck TV. And there's like an ER type show. I mean, wouldn't there be an ER, an, yeah, but <laughs> like a General Hospital esque yeah. kind of thing, yeah. And the the one nurse duck's heading on the doctor duck, and he's like, he's dead. <laughs> Just, <laughs> like, he's dead. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm like I'll watch that show. <laughs> that, <laughs> that almost feels like something that would be like pulled directly out of the Muppets or something. Right? Yes, very much so. Um, god. I, I don't think he was available at the time, but like it would have been fun to see what Henson would have done. Oh my god, this. yeah. Um, I think he was either working on Dark Crystal or Labyrinth at the time. Possibly that, yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> I want to say, and this, I've I've read so many different like things that are vaguely related to George Lucas lately. That I'm like, is that this movie or that movie? But I want to say Henson worked on this and then took like what he learned from this and applied it to Dark Crystal. Really. That could be wrong, though. Don't quote me on that. All right. Um, I think it is. Uh, story. Story. I mean, I like the interactions between Bev and Howard for the most part, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's just like casual talking. Yeah. And even even the fight in front of the museum was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining and I feel like believable. Mm-hmm. I think like like you really get a sense for Howard's anger and frustration yeah. in that moment. And you get the sandwich guy and you get the sandwich guy <laughs> who's just on lunch break as poor dude. Just like <laughs> here trying to mind his own business. And this duck man is just yeah. screaming about how fucked oh, up God. his situation is next to him. We did. I mention the, the guy on the bus who's like, that's a duck. That is a <laughs> duck. That is a duck. That guy. I really want to believe that that guy was not at all part of the production. Like he was just yeah. on that bus <laughs> driving past and someone's losing his mind. Howard. Like, hops off the bus, and there's just, like, a fellow patron on the bus, looks out the window, and just, like, pointing at Howard, just astonished. That is a duck! And it feels so realistic. I'm like, did they not tell him <laughs> that this was a duck movie? <laughs> this guy was just on his commute home. Yeah. And, like, film crew happens to be on. They give him right, a quick rundown right. of what's about to happen. Don't mention the duck at all. No. And then this duck walks on and then walks off the bus and he's just losing and he can't control himself. Oh, and, and, and Ike is just like, you know what? Get, get him. Yeah. Get him the uh, sign of release. We're keep, keeping that. Keep the camera on the bus. <laughs> just. Um, aside from that, 
not a whole. I do like the idea of the diner scene. I think it could have yeah. been polished. Um, I think they're doing a little too much there's, in that scene. Uh, there's so much. They're, they're, they have so many balls in the air, mm-hmm. like just exposition wise yeah. in that scene. It it was probably twice as long as it needed to be. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty long scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, yeah, but I, I do agree that like that is a good moment of like respite as they're like trying mm-hmm. to figure yeah. out what the fuck is going on and where to go next, and you know, thing and a good escalation of things moving forward. So themes. It's um, hard to even like really come up with theme. I mean, the, there's the inherent like fish out of water. I was gonna say duck out of water, but yeah, duck out. <laughs> oh right, duck. duck. Damn it, it's not a fish. Not a fish. How is not a fish? Damn it. Fuck. Neither is he a cat. Are we sure? No, he didn't drink milk out of that saucer. He didn't drink milk out of a saucer. I don't know. Don't don't give your cats milk. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't um, do that. <laughs> themes. So yeah, I, which I think works i think they do pull that off um but that's it as far as themes i'll hold off on the ones that don't work yeah i think that's fair um i guess production i do i like the 80s aesthetic of the set yes that the the world that they built like the the cleveland that they built i think was was fun was fascinating like the like the the from the the introduction with the punk venue and the um, the biker gang, yeah, fucking Satan, <laughs> Satan sluts. sluts. That's just wish we had seen them again. Yeah, that would have been pretty fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, even the bathhouse wouldn't oh have been God. like a terrible location if it had worked narratively. But like narratively, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, also, I, mm. uh, I liked. I, I think I have to say, like the the. Costume worked for me to an extent. The ha- the duck costume. Oh, you know, it did. You know, we, as we, we mentioned, like it's very expressive. It, you get you actually are able to empathize with this yeah. this duck man, which is a bizarre accomplishment. So when they were designing the duck, there was somebody on hand to make sure that the duck costume didn't piss off Disney. Yeah, uh, specifically the shape of the head. Oh yeah, no, it's distinct. It's distinctly like not the shape of Donald Duck's head. Right. <laughs> And, like, one of the weird things about the costume is the shape of the duck's head feels very bulbous. But yeah. Works. I think most of the costumes work. Leah Thompson looked like a 80s rock Yeah, she was be- she was absolutely believable as, a, a, as a, like, a, a, a pseudo Joan Jett-esque yeah. character. Uh, great. Hey, what didn't work? <laughs> For cast... Well, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. Uh, his whole character just does not. Like, I don't think it's just a Tim Robbins thing. No. Given like this is a very early career Tim Robbins, mm-hmm. like he hasn't really cut his cho- uh, cut his chops on like you know big, some of his bigger roles. Yeah. But he, just like th- what he has to work with here is not good. Or he, he walked on set, saw a, a duck, and was like, "All right, I got to bring duck energy. I got to bring duck energy." And so he walking, talking duck energy. Yeah, and he went in a direction with it. Yeah. Just, and also the character's kind of written that way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like that, that is not entirely, it's not entirely his fault. Unless he improved all those. Wah, wah, Unless wah. He, if he, if he improved that, then good Lord, <laughs> my dude, it could have been, um, oh, yeah, that was like, it's a, it's a wholly unnecessary character. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't really serve a purpose. Like He's he, a vaudevillian plot device. Yeah. 
the, uh, he, uh, he changes he's he's almost like a chameleon in some in mm-hmm. some instances like it's like he's uh like the end to try and get howard to figure out where he like how he got here he yeah. is uh he, he's able to put a plain thing together for howard an it's, ultralight an ultralight okay is that right sure yeah i have no idea but sure uh the globe ultralight <laughs> libertarians love it <laughs> Lives in the legal gray area. When you're being, when you're, when you're living in a community being eaten by bears, surrounded by you, bears, you, you need, you need a beer that's not going to weigh you down with extra calories. There's, there's the commercial. <laughs> oh god, dear Michelob, pay us for this free ad spot. <laughs> the rest of the cast was fine. Like they just kind of match the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, without going overboard, the boyfriend, not boyfriend, the uh, manager the slash, mesh. yeah, uh, appropriate amount of sleazy. Yeah. Um, there was that one Goomba from Mario Brothers in there. There was that one Goomba from Mario Brothers in there. He, he was there for a second. That made me happy. Oh, the fucking Super Mario Brothers movie. It just <laughs> We have to. I recognize his face like immediately. Yeah. Like, I think that might be it for cast. I think that's it for cast. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting to mention the, I think I cut that entirely from the. The, the not the walkthrough from the story yeah synopsis yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh the cop the like he had a like a decently sized part the like one sheriff dude not sheriff he's like uh, i don't remember him honestly he's also a plot device yeah story oh god um just the uh entirety of the uh of howard trying to find a job <laughs> yeah just really all those scenes are like completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like as entertaining as like the social like the social worker yeah. moment is, it is um There's that and then there's do you remember the van drive? Like Van Drive. So Dr. Jennings is like, Hey, we can return you to Duck World and then Bev and Howard have this like heartfelt like goodbye. Oh yeah, they're, they're, when they're sitting in the back of the van. Yeah. Well, I, I remember. Well they that. start it in the apartment. Then they have it in the van. Yeah, it does. It continues and, awkwardly long. Like, And then when we get to the lab, it's kind of like you've already lost the steam from that. Like the emotional mm-hmm. weight of it's gone. Yeah. I don't like the whole, the last 40 minutes, really. The, yeah, like the, the, um, the, the new threat of the impending dark overlords or whatever coming from outer space is. Like not even that so much as. Uh, Howard's trying to get to the lab. Jennings is trying to get to the lab. We're all trying to get to the lab. We're just like cutting back and forth between these people and their journey. It to the all lab. takes so long. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much cutting in between and yeah. so much like unnecessary like stunts it, and it, shit that start happening. That it like it really like they could really just like get fucking get there. Like, you know where we're going. We've been there before. This might be blasphemy, but it reminds me of a scene from Rage of the Lost Ark. Uh, which is, I want to say, like, top five for me. Uh, but there's a scene in between scenes where Harrison Ford's on the trucks trying to, like, get to the truck with the, with the arc. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, it's an act, action sequence. Just sure. Him doing the fighting the Nazis. And you could remove that entire scene and it wouldn't do anything to the plot of the movie. It feels mm-hmm. like someone watched that and was like, oh, we need we need to put an action-y scene right here to keep up the energy before the climax. Which it works in Indiana Jones because it's Harrison Ford and he's super charismatic and like fuck Nazis. Sure. But with Howard, it's like, we got this stupid not plane and <laughs> I don't care. 
And like the the repeated like Tim Robbins slapstick that's happening yeah. on the plane as they're going. Like like you expect me to believe that he he knows how to assemble this whole fucking thing and right. he doesn't like clamp down the fuel line. They have that like throwaway line where he's like Ah, oh, my weekend hobby is going to pay off. I'm like, what are you what, doing on the weekend? What are you doing on the weekend? Seriously. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the stuff with Bev and Jeff Jones is a little better just because it's wacky as hell. Uh, yeah. Oh, that, and we're also, we're getting further, like, experience with mm-hmm. that transformation, yeah. at least. Like, we're seeing, like, the weird, like, tongue yeah. f- appendage thing going into the, you know, we see his feasting upon electricity. Right. It's. There's there's some, like funny gags in the power plant. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, like the moment where he's yeah. just like, well, as, as they think he's an inspector, and he just walks up and right, like, growls right. at someone's yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, but Bev gets completely sidelined in the everything after the diner. Really, yeah, absolutely. Um, she she becomes damsel in distress from that point on. Basically, yeah. they they barely even give her any lines. Yeah. Which apparently she was sick during a lot oh, really? of that. Yeah, in, in that, that DVD, might, in that okay. DVD extra, like the she mentioned, like the entire scene where she's on the table, like about to become the vessel for the oh, next yeah, yeah, board. Yeah. She's like in between takes, just like they had to cover her in a blanket so she could keep yeah. warm. She's hacking and coughing and sneezing all over the place. So for the production, what did not work? Mm. I um I think they they did not really prepare well enough for the for the duck. Mm-hmm. Like the the fact that they they had three units running Jesus. throughout this production, like, like that's one one of the things that uh, that Ed was talking about in that DVD extra mm-hmm. was the fact that they had a they they had a third a second and third unit because of the time crunch of everything. Like they had to rush so much because Universal wanted that sweet sweet summer release. They wanted that summer George Lucas money yeah. and. They, yeah, so they they had such a truncated time frame that they had to be running three different production units. That's wild. That's spreading your resources far too thin, and especially whenever so much of that is recursively redoing scenes. Oh yeah, I forgot they had to redo a bunch of scenes. Yeah, they had to redo like practically all of Howard's scenes to try and do them. Like everywhere they were, they would have to like throw a different backdrop down and do yeah. and do other scenes of his again, so so they could do it better. Because Ed would do them better as they would go right. on. Oh, because they initially had the because they initially the kid. They had the twelve year old, yeah, and yeah, you know, that's why there's like differences in his energy and like in, yeah. in um in in Howard's movements and whatnot. Where there's times where he's like more bouncy and frenetic, and that's the kid. And there's times <laughs> right. where he's more like together and mm-hmm. like composed, and you can yeah. s- and, and you and his performance all, is much more believable. And that's all the Ed. scenes in Bev's apartment. I'm like, your mannerisms are really good for yeah. a man who can't see shit. Yeah. And I, I assume that's Ed Gales. I would think so, yeah. Um, the while the costume does work for me in a lot of ways, I, we we did mention the like duck eyelids felt real weird. They really did feel weird. Um, and they, you know, there's other ducks in the movie, and they all have the same kind of like fleshy eyelids, mm-hmm. which I I hate. <laughs> um, which I, like I haven't hung out with any ducks and checked out their eyelids <laughs> lately, but I assume that it's probably more. It's like more or less accurate. Probably, I mean, I can't imagine there being like discernible feathers on the eyelids right, of all things. Right. Those are constantly moving and like coming. You know, great. What uh, do you do? Uh, do you think Howard deserves its accolades? I mean, I'm tempted to say yes, 
not all of them though, because I will st- I will stand by our, our what we said earlier that the mm-hmm. per- that the uh, the the effects don't deserve the hate that they get, and no. that the and that the performers in the Howard suit don't deserve the hate that they're getting. Otherwise, yeah, probably. Though I haven't seen Under the Cherry Moon either, so I don't True. know. If- so when I first learned about Howard, it was introduced to me as one of the worst movies ever made. That's a and now that we've done this show, I'm like. I would say that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I would not say it's one of the worst movies ever made. But I don't think we have. I don't. I also don't think we have like a Wild Wild West situation here where everything else no. is just so good by comparison. It's it's certainly a bad movie, but it's mm. not a milestone in terrible cinema. No, God, no. I think it, it had high expectations because George Lucas's name was on it. Yes, and when it wasn't Empire Strikes Back, but Caravan of Courage, people got miffed. <laughs> such a stupid movie um (laughs) well great great wonderful let's take a i guess a really quick break and then we'll uh and we'll jump into how we're gonna fix this Yeah, make it even better have you ever had a bad day at work if so then the fuck my work life podcast is perfect for you i'm jay and i'm Kay, and we share listener stories from the workplace whether they're funny weird or horrifying they are always entertaining and will leave you feeling like maybe you don't have it so bad after all find us on your favorite podcast app but you may have to type in f star star k my work life because we're the idiots that put fuck in the title of our podcast and follow us on all the socials at fmwl pod can't wait to hear your stories Welcome back to Derazzled. We're going to take Howard the Duck. I want to remind you, this is the first movie in the MCU. <laughs> you can't undo what you've done, Marvel. No. And no that you opened that. T- <laughs> Doctor Strange opened that door. Now it is open forever. Okay. You wanted those Spider-Mans, which I understand, but you got to take it all. I mean, they were good Spider-Mans, but you know, with, with great Spider-Mans comes great <laughs> Howard the Howard Ducks. Ducks. You, you also get the David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. We should have yep. opened with that, just oh, talking about man. all the, uh, the movies now part of the MCU. The, thing, the things that they now have to acknowledge and bring back in. Oh, I want to see Hasselhoff and and, uh, and, ja- and Samuel L. Jackson. Maybe we, maybe we can do like a stinger <laughs> and talk about all the movies that are now part of the MCU. Um, well, before, before we fix it, uh, it's been a minute since we've ran through the rules of fixing a movie. So I'm going to do that. Plus our two new rules. We do roles. have two new rules. One that came about last episode and one that came about this episode. So, so here we go. Uh, I want to point out that making a movie is an incredibly difficult process. I know this firsthand. And even if the movie is shameless cash grab, a film employs hundreds who do their, their sometimes thankless jobs because they love it. Yes. So several quick rules. Um, We can't suggest any fixes that the production itself wouldn't have had available at that time. Um, The example we often use is if uh, we can't suggest CGI for pre-CGI movies. Um, We are allowed two recastings. Sort of. I'll get to it. Uh, The fixed version has to maintain the general story arc. Um, yeah, we can't deviate super far from the actual established story of the of the thing. Right. And our two new roles. First, we have the Cameron role, which is we will not cover the movie if it is not a narrative story. With a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Saving Christmas for that. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some movies of one Razzies that we won't cover 
because they're documentaries. Uh, sorry. Because they're propaganda. Heavily, yes, propaganda. Uh, and then the second role is the Jones role, which is if the actor is a deplorable human being, like true human trash, uh, he does not count towards one of our two recastings. Yes. Because he, sh- he is gross and should be deleted from history in general. So Yeah. So with that, with with that, that established. Mind. All right. So here's the cast I went with. Uh, I do need help with one of them, though. Uh, keep Ed Gale in the costume. Absolutely. Great job. Um, keep Leah Thompson as Beverly Schwitzel, Schwitzler. Sure. The, the two recasts I have, well, the one recast and the one give me, uh, for Phil, the scientist played by Tim Robbins, I've replaced him with Crispin Glover. Ooh. Um, hmm. And for Jennings, I've replaced Jeffrey Jones with Tim Curry. Oh, (laughs) oh, that's good. He could absolutely crush that role. He needs to be a big character, but big in a different way than Phil is. And Crispin Glover is a very special kind of the fuck. Well, plus you're plus and you're also you're you're uh, reuniting uh, him with Leah Thompson after uh, Back to the Future. future, Right. Hey, keep that, you know, keep that train going. That I'm sure will draw many a fan from Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, so the one I needed to cast, and I couldn't, I couldn't think of one, was a voice for Howard. Mm, um, that's a tough one. I, I've been thinking about that for a while because, like you said, it, like, it, it's too cartoony. Like it's not a bad performance by any stretch, but it no. is too cartoony for the tone the movie's going for. I think. And in this fix, he's gruffer. Like it's it's in the realm of Danny DeVito, but not quite that cartoony. Mm-hmm. So. Not sure who to go with. That's Danny DeVito esque, but not Danny DeVito. In 1986, Joe Pesci. That might be too much. The other uh, Joe, Joe Pesci, I feel like might Joe Pesci. I think runs the risk of getting cartoony too, though. Yeah. Also, he's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, he can be. Um, God damn. Chevy Chase. No God. <laughs> Wait a minute. Dan Aykroyd. I think Dan Aykroyd might work. Dan Aykroyd could work. I think I think he can strike that balance between cartoony and serious enough with this. He I mean his voice he doesn't, he doesn't have that Danny DeVito-esque quality to it, but it And he did Dragnet, so he has like a little bit of that noir noir-esque. Yeah. Loosely <laughs> noir. He could channel some of that. Oh, yeah. that could be something. Well, let's go with it. All right, let's yeah, Fuck let's it. let's see. Hey, if we don't, if we don't like it, maybe we recast it midway through. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Um, as far as the production goes, I didn't uh, put anything, so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna jump straight into the story. Okay. <clears throat> Howard walks down the trash-strewn Cleveland streets, coat pulled tightly around him, half hidden in the shadow. We shoot low, making it impossible to know that Howard is short or a duck. The despondent voice of Howard narrates the picture. He didn't ask to be here, this world of hairless apes. A world where, no matter how hard he tries to blend in, he doesn't belong. We follow Howard into Joe's, a nightclub that was the peak of fashion 20 years ago, but is now just a pit. Howard finishes with, and the only thing worse than being stuck in Cleveland, he hops onto the barstool, revealing that our protagonist is a duck, is being a duck stuck in Cleveland. He flings a finger towards the gin. The bartender grunts, "Uh uh-uh, ID. Howard flashes ID, his PI license also visible. 
The bartender gives him a yoo-hoo. <laughs> How did I get here? Continues Howard. Long story. One I meant to drown out with gin and cigar smoke. Guess I'll settle for a, a yoo-hoo and an upset tummy. <laughs> Howard's also lactose in this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling you were doing that there. <laughs> we see the shadow of the band as they come on stage. Howard explains that he's been sleeping behind the bar. Tonight's the first night he's had the, the nerve to come in and see the nightingale that sings him to sleep each night. The lights come up, and to Howard's surprise, she's beautiful too. Dresses like a loon, but that ain't hiding nothing. <laughs> he pushes it down. Ah, what am I thinking, you dummy? Howard chucks his yoo then slips away. He's he's like, I'm a duck and she's a demon. It, yeah. Sure. Uh, it's cold and miserable, but at least he has Bev to sing him to sleep. Howard's, Howard's slumber is disturbed by the sounds of goons harassing Bev. He tries to roll over and ignore it. He's got enough problems. But his conscience gets the best of him. He jumps up yelling at the goons, telling them to let him go. They laugh, asking, what's he going to do, use quack-foo? Howard looks at them like they're fucking idiots. No, he says, I've got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Howard pulls a snub-nosed revolver from his coat and shoots the goon in the foot. Freaked, <laughs> the goons run off. We see a similar scene to the one in the movie, except Howard asks Bev why she isn't more rattled by his appearance. To which she says, it's Cleveland. He's not even the weirdest thing she's seen today. <laughs> she invites Howard out of the rain. Howard's starting to give her shit for this, and she giving him a knowing smile. Because it's a duck. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene also stays pretty close to the movie with Howard and Bev sharing conversation. Um, we exercise the flashback scene. Uh, when asked how he got here, Howard just says that he's still trying to figure that out. Bev offers him the bed, but Howard says... No can do, dollface. What kind of bum would I be if I kicked a dame out of her own bed? She laughs, saying, you talk funny. <laughs> then turns out the light. Um, in the comic, Howard's not quite this noir, but... You're leaning a little heavier into it because yeah. you're you. These are all correct statements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the lab where a young scientist is being chewed out by a supervisor. This is Phil, played by Crispin Glover, being scolded by Dr. Jennings, played by Tim Curry. The lab is a disaster, and Jennings wants answers. Phil can't explain. He was just up late entering data when everything went kablooey. The scene ends with Jenning discovering a destroyer duck action figure at the base of the laser. <laughs> we cut to the following morning where we have more conversation between Bev and Howard. She's made them pancakes. Howard asks if she's used eggs in the pancakes. She's like, are you like a veg vegetarian or something? And Howard's like, no, I just don't want to like accidentally get a cousin. <laughs> uh, Bev gets ready for work, but tells Howard he's welcome to stay while she's away. He asks if she has any, like, clothes that are dry. Um, and she's like, yeah, probably not any of the fit, but you can check that. The bottom drawer, uh, some of my ex's things are in there. Howard digs through until he spots a sweater with the logo for Lucas Labs printed on the front. Howard freaks out, asking Bebe, where did you get this? She explains that her ex-boyfriend works there. But what's the big deal? Wide-eyed Howard mutters, it was the case to end all cases. The screen goes all wavy as we transition to Howard's office on Duckworld. A foxy widow, which is also a duck, enters the office wanting to hire Howard to find her missing husband. She gives him a photo of a dorky-looking duck, a real, like, Jessica Rabbit, Roger Rabbit situation. <laughs> she suspects his job had something to do with his disappearance. He was stressful and secretive leading up to it. Uh, Howard asks where he works. She slides a business card with the same Lucas Lab logo across the desk. We crossfade to the same logo on a glass door. 
from beyond the door, we can hear someone uh, someone spitting a Donald Duck imitation. <laughs> we cut inside where Howard tells him that he's being a fucking racist. And if he doesn't have anything to offer, he can dig up clues himself. Trying to salvage the meeting, Phil asks Bev to lunch. She too huffs away. Behind her, Phil shouts optimistically that he'll keep working on their problem in exchange for lunch. Sure. Right. Um, I wanted to establish that Phil is Bev's ex-boyfriend yeah. and not just some random stranger that does science. <laughs> yeah, not just some guy who's going to just come in and be a plot device. Yeah. <laughs> Outside, we see a similar similar argument, except Howard is a much is much shittier to Bev, saying that he should never try, never relied on these primitive apes for help. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Also, when the class comes over to harass him, he tells him to fuck off using the one fuck per PG-13. There's our, okay, there's there's our one our one fuck board. Now, holding back a tear, Bev says she's got to get to work. Howard feels like shit, but the damage is already done. He sits behind, beside the man with a sandwich, asking if he plans to finish it. The man hands him the <laughs> sandwich. Howard <laughs> takes the sandwich, empties out the middle, and just starts gobbling the bread. <laughs> Make- <laughs> Making like quack noise. (laughs) Just drop all these cold cuts on the ground, just like Yeah. (laughs) Exactly like that. So stupid. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I love it. So instead of a collection of pointless scenes that we get in the original, we spend instead we spend some time with Howard uh getting to like we really see that he doesn't fit in here. Yeah. Um, I do want to keep the hunting gag. Uh, the hunting gag is good. His yeah. like, fear of hunting gag. Um, also, the guy on the bus was like, that's a duck. <laughs> no, you can't lose uh, him. Yeah. But in general, people either like react with fear, revulsion, confusion, like basically everything that Bev didn't do. Like she yeah. immediately accepted him. So he's, so he's actually like kind of appreciating a little bit more like, yes. you know, she really didn't. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I got her wrong. I did it. I, you know, I yeah. did a bad thing. Yeah. Um, finally, Howard heads back to the club, hat in hand, stale bag of bread in the other. It's like, like roses, but bread. Because <laughs> he's a duck. <laughs> well, I, I got you some apology croutons. Right. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I mean, I'd accept that. I hate croutons. I love them. Mm. Uh, <laughs> while the landlord slash manager is just as sleazy in this scene as he's in the original, we get the added tension of finding out that this is sort of the guy that Bev's been seeing. She has terrible taste. Oh in my God. Yeah. And, 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 uh, just putting herself in all kinds of a right? bad situation. Like Ugh. this is, this is way too, way too many roles for this person to have in her life. Yeah. God. Uh, so the battle ensues as it does in the movie, except for instead of a vodka bottle being handed to Howard, it's a, a Yoohoo bottle. <laughs> and while the fight is more brutal, it ends with Howard threatening space rabies all the same. Sure, why not? Backstage, Phil barges in to the dressing room, uh, much to Cherry Bomb's disgust, before they were like, oh, it's fine that this man just burst into our dressing room. Whereas yeah. in this, they're like, hey, Phil. Yep. Yep. Phil has brought a large circular Italian food item and alcoholic beverage. Bev tells him to fuck off. <laughs> Saying the only reason he wants she would want to hear from him is if he has more information on Howard's situation. They then leave to go back upstairs. Here I read some uncomfortable uncomfortable words that I've written. Okay. <clears throat> back upstairs as things wind down, Bev 
discovers a chunk of glass in Howard's back. She removes it. This is from the fight. Oh, right, right, right. Um, the bar fight's more brutal in this version. Oh, yeah, apparently. I mean, if he's got glass embedded in him. Yeah. Uh, she removes it, surprised to see Howard bleed. Howard says, of course he does. Same as her. She dresses the wound. What else do you think would happen right. when a duck gets filled with daylight? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, she dresses the wound, building the courage to ask, do you kiss the same as me? Howard has to admit that he doesn't, and he's got no lips. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you Duck's, think? Duck's got no lips. But he does something like a kiss. She asks him to show her. He does, nuzzling her cheek. They look at one oh. another, both knowing where this is headed. That's, that's oddly sweet. Yeah. Howard says they can't, that his friends and family will call him a freak. Well. Bed's hurt, saying she's not a freak. Howard says it's not that he just, well, he thinks she's beautiful, but it's just not right. Bev says, who cares? It's Cleveland. fucking hell we fade to black as bev rubs his face rubs her face against his uh still still uncomfortable uncomfortable but but a little a little more like tender yes and and like relatable i'm a sex kitten and uh, i want to fuck this duck yeah it's not uh, god damn it it's uh, so weird it's so fucking weird you know, I've been trying to find whether or not in the comics Bev and Howard are in a relationship. Like, they sleep in the same bed, but I don't think there's anything else to it. Really? They didn't go full, like, like I love Lucy, like, there's separate <laughs> beds, or, like, nah, Dick Van Dyke show, like... It's the 70s. It's everyone just sleeps on the floor. <laughs> uh, I'm only on, like, issue eight of the original. Ah, one. that's fair. Um, so we got to the next morning where both Howard and Bev are naked in bed. Leaving no question whether or not these two fucked. They did. Uh, Howard is the big spoon to Bev's little spoon. They both begin to wake up at the same time, but it's Bev who sees the three men standing over them. A distraught Phil calls her names while Tim Curry's Dr. Jennings says, fascinating. (laughs) Bev and Phil argue, she calling him a liar because he said he gave his keys back. He ignores that, uh, asking if he enjoyed his little duck wiener. She pushes him, saying, it's bigger than yours, Phil. And it goes more directions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. One of the initial ideas I had for opening this was talking about duck sexual anatomy, but I didn't. I mean, it's it's fascinating and horrifying, but. uh, Which is what Tim Curry would say. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Uh, meanwhile, Howard and Jennings have a more civilized conversation where Jennings explains that the spectroscope, which is a thing I think exists and is not something that shoots you through space. It's not that at all. Has been misaligned and accidentally engaged hitting a wormhole, coming out the other side and presumably making contact with a similar laser firing device. He admits that it's theoretical, but he believes he can send Howard home. Both Bev and Phil stop at the sound of this, one ecstatic, the other distressed. We cut straight to the lab. Skipping the fucking fan ride. Van? Van? Van, fan. van ride, yeah. As Jennings preps the equipment, Howard and Bev say their goodbyes. Howard telling Bev, don't cry. We'll always have Cleveland. <laughs> Unlike the others. That's, that's, that's not reassuring. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, unseen by the others, Phil mutters about duck fuckers. Changes the, and then he changes the polarity of the laser's platform. Oh. They throw the switch, but instead of being warped away, Howard is being pulled apart. Bev runs to Howard, only to get trapped in the beam herself. Idiot. (laughs) 
Jennings quickly discovers the issue. He runs over to fix it, which he does, but this causes him to also be atomized and shot through space. Standing alone in the lab, Phil realizes what he's just done and cringes. That was his boss. He just shot to Duckworld. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, similarly, similarly to how the original movie began, Howard, Bev, and Dr. Jennings are hurtling through space, screaming and flapping their arms wildly. Jennings shouts, ow, something bit me, before all three descend into Duckworld. Howard and Bev land safely in some garbage, but Dr. Jennings crashes through a strip club, landing center stage surrounded by topless oh, no, ducks. No, God Ariels damn it. <laughs> Areolas no. everywhere. As far as the eye can see, areolas. <laughs> I thought that you would <laughs> nope. saved us from this the way you opened it, and no, you made it worse. I make you work for it. You just <laughs> you built up the duck nipples. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, there's a beat while everyone is silent before the room er- erupts in screams. <laughs> we cut to the street where bare-breasted ducks and club patrons flee the club. Still screaming, Doctor Jennings crawls out on his hands and knees from the front door smaller yeah of course <laughs> the gang reunites in the street howard says that they should go back to his office he needs a moment to think besides his parakeet needs fed bev asks for clar- clarification does he he has a pet parakeet and howard's like yeah i don't like dogs what of it <laughs> we they walk in the parakeet's like hey how are you yeah <laughs> right yeah also talk that's our danny devito <laughs> <laughs> perfect or you know that was that was a little bit more michael keaton beetlejuice like, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. I don't remember when Beatles Juice came out. I think it was also like '84. Oh fuck! Can we get Michael Keaton instead of Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> I think he might make Howard a little scary pervert again. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, he kind of. I mean, but... if it's less Beetlejuice and just more like Michael Keaton, it might work actually. Yeah. And you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now he's Michael Keaton. We, we've. Sorry, Dan. We'll we'll use you again. Don't worry. Um. <laughs> We arrive at Howard's office, a filthy hole in the wall with cigarettes strewn about the ground and the general odor of defeat in the air. While Howard digs through the filing cabinet, Bev takes in the surroundings, notably a number of dusty photos on the wall. They tell the story of a young duck with a hopeful future that went wrong somewhere. Bev discovers a photo turned face down. It shows Howard with his wife on their wedding day. Bev returns it face down. Howard finds the files he needs. Jennings asks, is there somewhere a bit roomier they could have this conversation? He's starting to feel a little cramped. Howard takes them to the diner around the corner. This is similar to, which we have like a very similar diner scene. Um, is it still Cajun sushi? Yeah, I think it has to be. <laughs> Joe Roma's. Joe Roma. It's still, it's still specifically Joe Roma's Cajun yeah. sushi. Okay, perfect. I want to go there. <laughs> I want it to be real. There's got to be some Cajun sushi somewhere online. White people exist for a reason. That's a good point. Yeah. We'll look into it later. (laughs) They exist, and the reason is to bastardize everything. Food. food, Everything. Um, (laughs) Jennings slowly changes into a grosser version of himself with no one seeming to notice. Howard reviews what he knows about Lucas Labs. This is when we flash back to Howard investigating the lab, sneaking in at night, and discovering a destroyer duck action figure. But as he does, we see someone off screen discover him. The unseen person, Duck, bumps the laser and shoots Howard through space. Hmm. So we now see how Howard got sent 
and how the destroyer duck action figure ended up in the lab. Yes. Now the good old boys come over. Uh, the, the the duck good old boys. The, the, oh God! Can you imagine just like <laughs> trucker ducks, just redneck <laughs> trucker yeah. ducks? Uh, so instead of them harassing Howard, they harassed Bev. Uh, so so they tie her down. They're like prepping her for cook. Howard yells that that's his girlfriend. God damn it! To which <laughs> the ducks laugh, gag, cry, whatever, scream, scream. in terror. <laughs> Howard tries to fight them off even pulling his pistol. Uh, but is, they are only saved when lightning is fired from Dr. Jennings' fingers, causing the fountain machine to explode. Everyone in the crowd screams, saying, He's got space rabies! Run! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like the callback there. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> the crowd panics as Jennings fires off his lightning, <laughs> eyes radiating with fire, and he foams cosmic glitter, saying, I see God. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Tim. I love the idea of Tim <laughs> yes. Curry in this role. God damn it! <laughs> Howard tries to take Jennings down, offering him a pot of coffee, which the doctor accepts, drinking it straight from the pot. Bev thanks Howard, then asks if what he said was true—that she is his girlfriend. He calls her doll face and tries to brush it off. She gives him a peck on the forehead and says, "Sure, I'll be your girlfriend. All I had to do was ask." <laughs> it's decided that the best course of action is to go to the lab where Howard got zapped. With Jennings' condition only getting weirder, Howard says that they should bring him along to see if someone can take a look at him. They arrive at the lab, but no one is there. It's Bev who, Bev who first notices that it's an identical copy of the one in Cleveland. Jennings, Jennings fucks off to the break room to find more coffee. The only thing keeping him human. Hmm. Which is very relatable. Uh, deeply. I imagine, I imagine having, like, big Lewis Tully energy when he's... Possessed by <laughs> just <laughs> chugging the entire, <laughs> it's like running around like legs spread apart. It's amazing. <laughs> just the utter like embodiment of that key master, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, searching the compound, Bev and Howard find thousands of crates filled with Destroyer Duck brand action figures. Before they can piece it together, two half duck, half human goons grab Howard. Oh. Stepping from the shadows is Dr. Ike, the same duck in the widow's photo. Howard informs the duck, the uh, Dr. Ike, that his wife thinks he's having an affair. The duck, who is voiced by Tim Robbins. Ah, here we go. <laughs> I forgot I did that. Ah. Uh, shouts that he is having an affair. Screaming, science is my side hoe! <laughs> <laughs> It's a very, it's a very, I'm fucking my movies. Right. Yes. Steven that's Spielberg exactly what it was. Thing. <laughs> Just have we brought that up on the show before? No, I don't think we have, but we've talked about that several times. Yeah. Uh, it's rumored that when Spielberg was, was married to his first wife, um, she accused him of having an affair to which he said, I'm fucking my movies. Yeah. Because he was just, he wasn't having an affair. He was just, he was just uh, obsessed with making film. Yeah. Like, like you do. Uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> So we see Dr. Ike's plan in montage as he narrates, because evil doc doctor things. Um, after making contact with Phil on Earth, Dr. Ike was able to extract the naked ape genome. <laughs> Science words. With it, he was able to make duck people. Duck people who would infiltrate every level of, the, of business and government across the world. <laughs> 
To prepare the people of Earth for their eventual duck overlords, they would produce movies, TV, serial with ducks as their heroes. So when the ducks were finally revealed, the people would bow before their duck overlords. Was Darkwing duck propaganda? (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Uh, And for those who are very nerdy and unfortunate, yes, Dr. Ike is a reference to David Ike and his obsession with lizard people. That tracks. Speaking to Howard, Dr. Ike says, Too bad you won't live to see it. Based on your tastes in women, you'd quite like our new world. (laughs) Dr. Ike turns a video screen, revealing the image of Phil. Phil apologizes for keeping them in the dark, especially Bev. This was meant to be a gift. They were going to be the king and queen of the Mallard people. Bev calls him a fucking asshole, to which Dr. Ike says, Very clever. With the delay to Earth, Phil will absolutely be crushed in about 20 minutes. While Dr. Ike gets the laser ready, uh, it gives them to, – to, he's going to give them the stretch, same thing. Yeah. Uh, Howard whispers to Bev, telling her that Jennings is on the other side of the glass, He's you, which we then see he's like tearing apart, like literally tearing a vending machine down the middle. Oh, like God. He's like eating like raw grounds. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, he's going he's gonna to shit he's, so bad. Uh, Howard asks if she can reach the gun in his pocket. She tries this, leading to the terrible feather-raising scene, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) You motherfucker. (laughs) She gets the gun, but it's- Yeah, she did. (laughs) It slips and goes off. Uh, Ricocheting- I swear um, this never happens. (laughs) Eventually shattering the glass uh, and alerting Dr. Jennings to the situation. Yes. Um, Dr. Jennings absolutely jacked on coffee and space rabies. Aimlessly lasers the shit out of the lab. Both goons explode in a shower of feathers. Machinery falls onto Dr. Ike, killing him. His last words be uh, his last words words of remorse. We were so preoccupied with whether or not ducks could fuck that we didn't ask if ducks should fuck. <laughs> Questions that you wish George Lucas and yes. Willard it's Ike a little too me- mellow or meta, but uh <laughs> Bev asks that his last act be a noble one, cure Dr. Jennings. To which he says, it's space rabies. It's just penicillin. (laughs) (laughs) He just needs a shot of penicillin. Wow, space rabies is like kind of tame. Yeah. That's weird. Real real rabies kills you. We we keep keep it in the first aid kit. (laughs) (laughs) There's medicine cabinets. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Bev goes over, gets the shot of penicillin and chucks it at Jennings, who's, you know, he's fine. Uh, they then shend him back to Earth. He now, he now has a giant hole in his stomach lining from all the coffee. But. So he's, he doesn't transform immediately back. It's not like a Looney Tune. Sure, sure. Um, but he, they laser him back to Earth. Uh, Howard, needing to stay on this end to destroy the laser, uh, tells Bev he's got to stay. Uh, Bev tells Howard she wants to stay with him, that she doesn't care what everyone thinks. He says, Duck World is no place for a dame. She says, neither is Cleveland. Then kicks a laser, which does nothing. It's a laser. It, <laughs> kicking it with her shoes is, is going to do nothing. Yeah, uh, it's not. No. Howard points to the destruct button. Uh, <laughs> before she pushes it, uh, displayed on the monitor is the image of Farrell Jennings returning to the lab where he brutally murders Phil. 
only to have the space rabies melt away at that exact moment. What have I done? Oh, no. <laughs> Bev says, it's not your fault. It was the space rabies. Which Howard goes a reminder that there's a delay, but he's just like, fucking never mind. He hits the sequence and the two run from the lab as it explodes. We cut to one year later where we see Bev in a flashy music video. Uh, several large breasted ducks acting as backup dancers. We pull back to see Howard and Bev watching TV and cuddling. He says, she says, not too bad for a hairless ape. Or sorry, he says, not too bad for a hairless ape. They laugh, and just when it's about to cut the black, we hear the voice of Dr. Jennings uh, through the TV shouting, Howard, you have to come back. Static, static, static. The whole world, static, static, static. Space rabies. The TV goes dead. Howard turns to Bev. The screen fades to black, but only for a moment before the words, Howard the Duck will return in Howard the Duck 2, Dawn of the Hairless Apes, before <laughs> fading to black. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> it's it's a script. It's a script. It's a script. It's a script. <laughs> you you did you did that. You made that script. You did the oh, thing. God. It. Whew. Um. So. It, it's uh yeah. So uh that, that that's that's the fix. Um. I like that you you made. Uh. You made the transformation that Jennings is going through way less excruciatingly exposition dependent. Yeah. Um, and also eliminated the uh, the Harryhausen-esque uh, yeah. monster from the end there. Which, like, I, I do like stop motion. Yeah, but, like, it, it was... felt really out of place. It was really out of place. It felt and looked out yeah. of place. Like, the like the creature itself was very skillfully done. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't look like it's lit the same way as everything else. Yeah. It's too jarringly separate from the, from the setting. It is... Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it didn't need to be there. I, I like how many of the uh, extraneous scenes you cut. I'm glad we don't have the whole jizz-mopping uh, spa scene... No, no, definitely not. Um, I'm upset at the number. I'm upset. I'm so upset at the number of duck tits, though. <laughs> there's there's non more even. It's non-zero, <laughs> and it's actually higher. <laughs> Just, but perhaps a little bit more appropriately placed. Well, yeah, at least like a, like a, like a duck strip club. Like if if duck tits have to exist, which right. I still argue they should not because they're not mammals, <laughs> but. Right. If they have to exist, at least they have a place to, I guess. I don't know. This is this is a weird line of thought, even in context. How did you feel about the Phil character? Because he he's the one that changed the most. I like the changes to Phil. I I think I think that his it makes his his place in the story make so much more sense. Like he actually has motivations. He actually has personality, and it's clear why he's there. Even if he does end up just, like, eviscerated at the end. Yeah. Well, I, I assume he would come back in the sequel as a half-man, half-duck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they, we couldn't get Crispin Glover to return, so we had to get, like, a look-alike. Didn't, didn't that happen for, like, Back in the Future? Am I remembering that Did correctly? it? I want to say that, like, I, there's a legal, legal issue that prevented him from coming back for I, I the sequel. I don't remember that. Um, I'll look it up. Or he got, like, he didn't come back, but they used his image anyways, and he sued and got money for not being in the movie. But like being in the movie, hmm. this is unimportant, and we'll never do Back to the Future. So yeah, there's never going to be a derazzled Back to the Future episode unless there's no. like a 
re uh, 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 re razzled like <laughs> let's fuck it up. We're gonna fuck this movie up. Maybe that's what we'll do for for Christmas episodes from now on. <laughs> kind of like a reverse uh, behind the bastards where they yeah instead of doing the Christmas non bastard we do the Christmas movie fucking up. Yeah, we we fuck it up. Um, <laughs> so we never have to do saving Christmas again. God. Yeah, I think we that was our only Christmas based episode to choose from. So it was, and we 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 uh, we, we got it. it out of the way early. Um, oh man. So uh, how how do you think our derazzled version score, scores? Um, I think just because you've streamlined the narrative a bit and you've made some of the character relationships and or or character like purposes more clearly defined. Mm-hmm. Um, and eliminate a lot of unnecessary effects that were going to take up time and resources. Uh, I, I think that I still think it's going to get shit on. Oh yeah. It's yeah, still, it, a, it's duck having relations with a woman, especially since this one actually fucks. Like you, yeah. you actually put duck I'm fucking like, in you, there. You can't, if you're going to go down that road, don't half ass it. You whole asked duck Either fucking. Don't suggest any duck fucking or fuck the duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I need to? Do I need to specify that we do not condone duck fucking? Please don't fuck ducks. <laughs> we should, I, unless you're in one of those four states. I Hawaii being one of them. This is weird. Wait, what? Yeah, Hawaii is it like several of the states. You're like, yeah, of course. And then there's Hawaii, and I'm like, do you guys just not get around to making that a law? <laughs> Maybe not. I'm looking at you, Hawaii. I'm deeply upset. Uh, hashtag Hawaii for. Not bestiality. <laughs> this is a bad act. No. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, well, hey, thanks everybody for coming. Uh, I, uh, so, I, well, score oh, right, score right. wise, I think, um, what was it? it? Was fourteen percent for the critic score? Something like that. Um, I think, I think it, I think it breaks twenty five. Okay, maybe thirty. I was gonna say thirty. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see that happening. It's not, it's not gonna make it anywhere near fresh. <laughs> No, because Leah Thompson fucks a duck in this movie. She does. She does um, do that. It would propel it to such cult status, though. I think that the audience yeah. score. Yeah, I think initially sixty-nine. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I think initially the score is really low. It's like thirty-six, and then as the cult following builds, it gets to sixty-nine, and then and everyone's then like, it, "Don't, don't touch it! Touch it! <laughs> don't ever." Fucking write this again. <laughs> There's a team of redditors just oh, constantly right, watching the right. score on this movie <laughs> to make sure they can balance it. <laughs> uh, I don't even care what the IMDb score is. Joe, you want to play us out? Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to whatever the hell just happened. And thank you to everybody who uh, who has been listening and reviewing. We are... Uh, wherever you find podcasts, uh, you can rate and review us on Apple, on Spotify, on Good Pods. Uh, we had actually topped the film and TV uh, top 100 on Good Pods for like a solid week or so, couple, Some, couple something weeks, like that. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like there was like a day where we dropped down, and then we went right back up again. So like, help us get back there. That would be great. Um, yeah, we want to keep on engaging with everybody. We want to keep on. Keep Make on it. improving the show and getting out there for more and more people to hear. 
Um, please send us what you think about the fixes that we do uh, to derazzledpodcast at gmail.com or let us know what you'd like to see us cover in season two. Uh, we are in the middle, we are past the halfway point of season one now, and we are planning season two. And we have a few things on deck, but we want to know what you want to hear us tackle as well. Um, Sit down with your, your nana, your pop pop, play this episode for them, bond with them, cry with them. Because try to explain to them what's at, uh, why why we're talking about this duck and why it's having sex with a woman. Uh, it, it'll sure <laughs> razzle dazzle. <laughs> no, we're not ending that way. No, razzle dazzle. No, god damn it! It's over. <laughs> Can't take it back. Oh, for God's sake! Um, uh, follow us on Twitter on Insta uh, on, on Twitter at uh, derazzled pod. On Instagram at derazzled underscore podcast and Facebook at derazzled podcast. Um, I've lost it. I'm already done. I've walked out of the room. No. All right. We'll be sure. We'll be sure everybody to razzle dazzle you. <laughs>